Hey, welcome to Genre Exposure, a film podcast. Join us as we explore the wide world of cinema, broaden our horizons one movie at a time. I'm one of your hosts, Dustin, and as usual, I am here with Jason. Hey, everyone. How you doing, man? Doing good. How about yourself? I'm hanging in there. Yeah? Yeah? I'm limping toward October. Work kicking your ass? Yeah. But we're almost <laughs> there. It's almost the holy month. It is. And I'm so excited. It's all going to be worth it. Yes. And I'm also excited because today is a listener episode. I, I crave them and I, I'm excited for them every time they roll around. Today we are checking out a new movie, actually, and a Netflix movie. So all you, all you people That's that two strikes for you, right think now. I'm a Netflix <laughs> denier, you can see what I think of this one. Uh, we're going to check out Ten and Tina, 2023, directed by Ruben Stein. It's a Spanish film. It is indeed. Uh, and this was pitched to us by Jada, who was, until just a little while ago, a co-worker of mine. She, uh, she went, got smart and got out. She got smart and got out, <laughs> and I'm very happy for you. And thank you for pitching this to us, Jada. Yeah, yeah. Our, our listener choices are typically pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. Or at the very least, compelling, so. Right. Um, and then, hey, I wanted to talk about our Roman porno block, so that just wrapped up. Yeah. Now that we've had enough time to see like the numbers and stuff, it's been weirdly like the most successful block we've done all year, dude. Like, gotta, like, like, like the, the numbers have exploded. So I don't know what caused that. If it's just that I know not a lot of people cover those, yeah. Or if they do, it's like very much in passing, or right. Or like even in that realm, like the Toei, like the Pinky Violence films, those get a lot more focus because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. again, I think those are a little more palatable for people to get into. But um, <laughs> so yeah, that's cool. Um, if you're new and you. Came in on those. Hey, welcome. Yeah, welcome. We hope you're sticking around. Uh, we'll definitely get back into some weirdness. Oh yeah, one day we love extreme stuff and you know, yeah, non-mainstream craziness. So we'll get back to that. Yeah, I, I finally got into the habit of like I don't really check our numbers on stuff too much, just like every now and again. Because when we started, well, they get so high, it's hard to keep uh-huh. track of. Oh them. yes, of course. <laughs> um, no, but you know, like when we started, I was always like to me like, oh, are we are we doing good? Are we like growing? Are we building? Uh-huh. And so now it's to the point where it's like I know it's kind of perpetually fine-ish for yeah. what we're trying to do. Yeah. Um, but just by happenstance, I noticed, and I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Hmm. Wait a minute. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So that's cool, and uh, thank you for tuning in. Yeah, absolutely. All you peoples out there. Yeah. Now, all that being said, we are going to do our usual stuff, talk about some of the things we've been watching, and um, I really don't think I have a shout-out this time, so okay. I'm not, yeah. not going to stretch and try to make one. That's fine. But you know, we are part the pride... We are part of the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. It's all kinds of a bunch of other cool shows you could be listening to. Lots of great stuff. So swing by our uh, network's main page, and you can look at all the other cool shows we got out there. Of course, we all have some favorites that we prefer. We're big unsung horror champions here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They just dropped their list for the October Halloween marathon, marathon thing they always do, Horror Gives Back. Yeah. Hashtag Horror Gives Back. I'll probably put a link on our show notes this time to go check it out so that if you want to participate in that, it's very simple, very easy. You watch a horror, you try to watch a horror movie a day or more throughout October. Which you should be anyway. And then you donate a dollar per film at the end of the month to a charity. Mm-hmm. Any charity you want, they always pick one. I think they're doing the Best Friends Animal no, thing no, again this time. Great, so great charity. Yeah. Uh, I'm there for that. Absolutely. That's awesome. I may try to do that. Yes. Cool. So... Have you a movie to discuss? Would you like to go first? Do you have just one or do you have two or three this time? I've got two. <laughs> of course you do. Okay. Um, 
So yeah, I can go first. Sure, why not? Do it. So I finally got back on track with the Shaw Brothers stuff because I was supposed to go through that second Shaw Brothers set. And I oh, keep, yeah. I keep looking at it and it's so daunting and it scares me off. And so I finally popped in the first disc. And I think I want to preface this with my conversation I had with you guys because mm. I was like, hey, I popped in the first disc. Do either of you know if the 36th Chamber of Shaolin is like a good movie or not? Or is this going to be like a dud? Mm. And then Michael in our chat was like, no, that's like one of the greatest martial arts films ever made. Yeah, yeah, it's a bona fide classic. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, and then, yeah, like maybe 15, 20 minutes in, I was like, oh, no, this is like one of the greatest yeah. martial arts movies ever made. Yeah, it's seminal. Uh, it, it's so good. It's so iconic. It, It's like the perfect distillation of the idea of doing like the training arc yep. of like you go off and go through all these different trials and things to build up and become more powerful and... Mm. It's just so many like tropes and ideas that I've seen in like a thousand other martial arts movies, but then you you trace it back and it goes back to here. Um, so it was so good and so so interesting, so entertaining, so so much good like martial arts action and choreography. Yeah, if you're a kung fu fan, this yeah. is one of the ones you have to go back and see if you haven't. Um, and even on like really modern stuff, like I know in the intro it shows him training with like those arm rings, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh dude, this is basically just like how they did the ten rings for Shang Chi. Yeah, yeah. In the new Marvel movie. Um, so I don't have a lot to give to the conversation on this one other than to say it was super awesome I was really blown away by it uh, sometimes things are just iconic classics because they're just that good and yeah this one brought it and those will probably be hitting the Arrow um, channel mm. you know the streaming channel because the first box set did oh did it? So if after you, like if, so long if you subscribe to Arrow you're probably going to be getting those soon and you, you have no excuse to not watch them <laughs> And I think next up is the sequels that it had. I know it has at least like two like directly named yeah. sequels. I've heard the next one's more comedy, so I don't know how I'm going to feel about that. Yeah, but... I, I'm very picky when it comes to my comedy in a kung fu movie. Like Jackie Chan does it right for me. Mm-hmm. But then people like Stephen Chow, it's just a little too... Eh, you know, it gets a little <laughs> tiresome for me. But It depends. To each their own. Um, and I also was very intrigued by... And I, I need to look into this more, but there's apparently a whole continuity of like... This film and several other films, they're all kind of about the same, like, historical event that happened. Mm. had to do with, like, the Shaolin Temple and it falling, and then, like, its students dispersing out and, like, training up different people and stuff. Yes. Apparently, there's a whole, like, watch order you can do of, like, all these different films where it's kind of like the whole chronicle of that saga. I was very intrigued by that, so. You have dishonored my family and the Shaolin Temple. (laughs) So, I am, uh, yeah, I'm going to keep charging forward. I may take a break when October hits, of course, but. Yeah, uh, sure. Before the end of the year, I should sift through the rest of that. Now, the Shout Factory box sets, by the time we reach the end of the year, I think they're going to be on Volume 3 already. Wow. So I, I don't know if I can wade through those for a book <laughs> report, but uh, yeah. You can do it. I have faith in you. So do you just have one film? I'll go ahead and do two. Okay, you got two? Oh, so I'll do my other one then. Okay. I was going to do a little like sandwich thing, but yeah, I'll do my second one. So we're going to switch totally different gears. We went from classic... Uh, Hong Kong martial arts. Now I'm going to take you to paranormal documentary. So I recently checked out brand new, just dropped out uh, the unbinding. Mm-hmm. So got to give you a little background, I think to even set this up, right? So okay. this is by a sort of team of paranormal investigators that I'm quite fond of. Let me, let me pause for just a moment. Yes. I saw this pop up on your letterbox mm-hmm. and I'm like, Oh, Okay, he likes this. What is mm. this? I'll, I'll watch the trailer. Mm-hmm. I am dubious at best. Okay. I would love for you to watch it just to see okay. what you think about it. 
but I will say this is like uh, this isn't like Paranormal Show One Hundred and One. This is like more advanced than mm-hmm. say your uh, your ghost adventure. Okay, right. kind of thing. All right, please continue. Um, and so to set it up, that yeah, it's like this. Uh, it's this like little group of like paranormal investigators um, that are of some repute at this point. Um, central to that is Greg and Dana Newkirk. They run a traveling paranormal museum where they kind of collect like what are supposed to be haunted or cursed artifacts and. They go around to all the different sort of conventions or like paranormal conventions or some horror conventions, you know, or like hybrid where it's like there's the film stuff, but then they also have like the paranormal stuff okay. too. So is this like for real? Like the, this is, they, they really do this documentary. This, this, okay. Okay. All right. Okay. I, I'm just, I'm, I, I, didn't, oh. I couldn't tell if it was a mockumentary mm. or a documentary. No, no, no. Um, so what they do, they're kind of shtick for the stuff they've produced mm. that I really like is that they give it a very like, cinematic presentation to it. Okay. They try to do like interesting camera angles and shots. Right. They try to have like really good editing with everything, a good musical score composition that's like blended in so that even though it is, yes, it's like, which you may, you may, if you don't believe in any of that kind of stuff, then it's like, whatever, this is a bunch of assholes like walking around being stupid, but right. that could be my problem. <laughs> it, ha- it has the presentation of like a professional film okay. to it. Okay. Um, which again, if you compare that to say a ghost adventure show, right, that's just very bottom of the barrel as far as like production standards. Right. Right. A bunch of guys with night vision cameras mm-hmm. and stuff like handy cams. And yeah. yeah. Um, so it's the two of them. And then, um, they did a prior sort of like docu series where it's like a multi multi episode thing um, called Hellier, hmm. which is actually them investigating this thing to do with um, Hellier, Kentucky, city from our home state. That's right. Um, which kind of linked up with the whole story of the Hopkinsville Goblins, which okay. is sort of our state cryptid, I would say. Yes. Of of note, there's several other ones, right? There's like the Popelik monster and a few others, but. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's its own like thing. I think that's streaming on like Amazon Prime. So if you like paranormal documentaries, that's a whole thing you can get into. Um, but this unbinding, so this relates to their like little museum thing they do. Um, and one day they got into a correspondence with these people that was like they were uh, hikers in New York. They went into the Catskill Mountains and they found this little like idle wooden figurine thing. Okay, uh, looked like a little typical thing you could like go on Etsy and buy anywhere. Except, weirdly, for no reason, there were, like, nails driven into its eyes, and it has a noose around its neck. Okay. Uh, they found it. They brought it home. A bunch of freaky, weird stuff starts happening. It scares them. They they link up with Greg and Dana through, like, people recommending, like, oh, you should talk to them. They, like, collect paranormal items. Um, And they ended up being so scared that they were just like, hey, we're just going to mail this to you, and you can take it. And what I like about them, and I, I, I respect and accept, Jason, that you might just be like, this is all just bullshit, whatever. That's that's fine. <laughs> uh, what I like about them is that they at least come from like a humble place uh-huh. in the premise of all of this. Because kind of what their whole shtick is, is that like, uh, to them, like these haunted objects and stuff that they collect, they think probably most of them, there's no real like paranormal thing going on there. If anything, it's like the the intention and the focus of the person that thinks it is haunted is maybe making them experience something. Okay. Right? Right. Because we've talked about that before, the idea of like magical thinking. You put out sure. an idea, and if you focus on it and put energy toward it... One way or the other, it's going to happen. It's going to manifest some way, even if that's a trick of the mind. Mm-hmm. So they say like a lot of the stuff we take off people, we keep it in our home, and it does nothing. There's no... 
We never see a single thing happen with it. It just sits on the shelf, and that's all it is. Right. And that's probably all it ever was. But their and their angle is that then sometimes they do have experiences themselves once they get the object, and that's the part where they're kind of like, hmm, let's investigate this. So if you follow their story in this film and agree to go along with it, they start having a lot of weird experiences with it, and it becomes this thing of like, well, we need to like trace this back and figure out what it is. And it becomes this sojourn of them like researching it and like, so it's like this idol figure. Does it represent like, you know, some kind of something from like witchcraft or something from like some sort of old religion or then why are the, the nails driven through it? And um, it's a lot of like history research kind of thing. It really like, and this is why you might like it despite it all. It's almost like a Call of Cthulhu adventure. Okay. Where it's like they end up with a weird thing and then they go on a long spree to like research it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it culminates to this big thing where they decide that they need to return it to where it came from. And they kind of get into doing sort of like a magical ritual to unbind, hence the title, the sort of like curse or whatever is going on with it. Okay. All right. You just have the most sober stone face <laughs> looking at me. You're probably extra angry because if you did look at my letterbox, you saw I watched it and then I watched it again the next day. <laughs> I didn't notice that. Because that was me stark raving mad demanding that Tiffany watch it to you. I did notice that you gave it five stars. I did give it five stars. I think it's wonderful. I think it's excellent. I think if you like the paranormal and the supernatural and the weird and the high strangest and the, and the woo, this is like the top shelf best shit for paranormal documentaries and that kind of thing. Okay. Um, you just have to be open-minded when you go in, right? And again, this isn't like 101, so it's not like they're not walking around with the night vision cameras, and then there's a bump. And <laughs> is someone there? And they're like, what was that, Give us though? a sign yeah. if someone's there. We recorded the audio, and we will listen to it back in the studio. <laughs> there was a voice that was under my voice. Um, that wasn't an interrupting radio yeah. frequency or anything like that. It's actual, it's actual research. It's actual, <laughs> like, uh, they come from a place of insincerity, I think, at least. So, um, And perhaps they do. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe I'll check it out and I'll give you my thoughts as like a pure fucking skeptic. Sure. That, that could be interesting. <laughs> um, and they even do some neat, like, I guess you would say what are like new developments in paranormal investigations, which are cool. Like um, they do this thing called the Estes method. So I know you're at least generally familiar with paranormal documentaries. Sure. So like, you know, you know, there's like the spirit box, right? Mm-hmm. Which if you, if you buy into that idea, it's like the, it sweeps radio frequencies and they have the idea like, oh, a spirit could manipulate this to talk to us. Right. Um, and even they admit, which is what I think most people would naturally think about that is a lot of that is just like a trick of the mind, right? Sure. You're projecting what you think you hear. It's like backmasking and heavy metal songs. Yeah. 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 Um, but so some of the people they've worked with, they came up with this whole idea to kind of do like, um, it's almost like the idea of like mediums channeling spirits. So it's this whole thing where it's like you have the spirit box, but it runs into like a pair of like studio isolation headphones. Like if you were like a drummer and you were going to record in the studio, so Mm -hmm. you don't have any, there's no sound interference at all. Right. And so you blindfold a person, put them in those headphones, Mm. and then you have like a independent thing of like, you have the person in the room, like doing all the questions like, oh, is there a presence here? Blah, blah, blah. And then the person that's hooked into that, they're just calling out anything they think they hear in it. And then like, it's... It makes a sort of like, it's almost like a, a mediumship thing, but like automatically in a sense. Okay. It's very weird, but it's very interesting. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we've ever really delved that deeply into my interest in the paranormal, so. I know you, yeah. you I know you have that interest. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think I have an interest too, but it's just, it's, 
I'm just so fucking skeptical, mm-hmm. you know. Okay. And I, I just never seen or heard anything that makes me give any credence to any of these stories. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So maybe that's why we've become such good friends. We have a real like Mulder Scully thing going on here. <laughs> and and I, I do. I do feel the sexual tension between <laughs> yeah, us. Well, so. It's there. Oh boy! All right, so that's the Unbinding. Uh, you can rent it on Amazon. It's like five bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess if you're a skeptic, that might be a big investment. I'm surprised it's not just on Tubi. So um, I say, um, if you are curious about them, though, because I do, I do give a lot of love to them, mm-hmm. and they also have their own podcast called the Haunted Objects Podcast, where they talk about these stuff in their museum, and it's really interesting because it's more of like the history. Like they have stuff like they have old things from like the 20s when there was all the like the table tipping and all that stuff going on. That's cool. Cause I, I dig the history, you know, and they talk I, about the history and they even yeah. talk about like the fraudsters, like how they would do these tricks right. to like fool people and yeah. stuff. So that, that angle is cool. That's fun. I like that. I like, uh, I like the real provenance and history of these things. That's, so if you, you don't want to lay down any money on these guys, just off my word, maybe check out their podcast or you can cycle back to hellier. Cause that is streaming free on like everything. I think so. Cool. All right. Now, what have you been watching my friend? Okay. Well, we'll get the bad one out of the way first. Um, did you ever see the movie The Reef? It's a shark attack movie. No, because I'm not big on shark movies. That's right. You're not big on shark movies. I knew that. Well, it came out in 2010, and it was pretty effective. Low budget. Um, its big gimmick was that these people run aground on a reef. They're in like a small yacht. Uh, it starts sinking. It capsizes. They have to swim to the island or stay on top of this capsized boat. Okay. So most of them decide to try to swim. So the whole thing is that they're in open water and they're being uh, stalked by a great white. Mm-hmm. So it does a pretty cool job of uh, integrating like real footage of great whites, mm-hmm. um, making you think that it's right there with them. And that always like helps. That. Yeah, and it's pretty good. It's tense. Good movie. Nothing. Not not a classic. You know, but a fun movie. Um, so twelve years later, for some reason, they decided to make a sequel. Oh. And let me double check. I do not think it is the same people. It is. It's the same person. That's disappointing. <laughs> um, uh, the Reef Stalked is... Oh, that's an awful name. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, and it's pretty much a carbon copy of the first one. It's basically also The Descent. Because oh. it opens with like a family tragedy, mm. and this woman's trying to get over it. She goes out <laughs> with her girlfriends on this adventure on the water. <sighs> They run into a great white. There's like zero gore. There's no tension. The characters are cardboard and annoying. Um, it's just, it's so boring. I, I, I turned it off. I had like 20 minutes left. I even turned it off. <laughs> oh, wow. And I went back to it later to finish it. And <sighs> it's, it's always a bad move to try to do the descent because you got to remember that the descent is like a really fucking good movie. So. Yeah. And it's got layers. <laughs> yeah. And it's well made. And this is not and does not. Um, but I was in the mood for a shark movie because summer's almost over. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I need to get in a shark flick. So I was disappointed. So if you have not seen The Reef Stalked and uh, you're interested in it, do not watch it. Do not waste your time. <laughs> well, I won't, so don't worry about it. <laughs> okay, on to the good one. Yes. Give me the good stuff. Uh, from 2013, a movie called Afflicted. Hmm. It is a found footage film. Oh. Oh. Um, the synopsis is, two best friends see their trip of a lifetime take a dark turn when one of them is struck by a mysterious affliction. Now, in a foreign land, they race to uncover the source before it consumes them completely. Oh, wait. 
Is it Affliction or Afflicted? Afflict. I'm sorry, Afflicted. Okay, I have seen this movie and I fucking love it. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, I fucked that up. Yeah, you were given the synopsis. I was like, wait a minute, yeah, no. wait a minute, wait a minute. It, it, not Affliction, Afflicted. Yeah, we'll continue. Uh, directors are Derek Lee, Cliff Prouse, who also star in it as themselves. Mm-hmm. And apparently these guys are friends. They need to go way back. Cause you really feel it in the film. You do. Like it's and they're totally showing old acting, footage yeah. of them like making little home movies together and stuff. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing's presented kind of like a, like a YouTube channel yeah. video. They're they're going to document their trip and stuff like a, that. A vlog. Yes, and it's really well done. Yes, it's so well done. And uh, you know it's a low budget too, mm-hmm. but they they go for broke. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah, the effects aren't always perfect because at the end there's a lot of CG happening. Oh yeah, but it's it's it's. They know their limitations, and they know how to shoot it. And it's never distracting. Like, any of the questionable CG never pulled me out of the movie. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's got a good story. It's got uh, good characters. You know, you're invested. Uh, I don't want to say too much about the movie. Mm-hmm. I think most horror fans will be able to tell kind of what's going on early on. Yeah. But it's fun going along with them trying to figure out what's happened. There's a comment I really want to make, but I can't because it spoils. Yeah, yeah, twist. and I don't want to spoil this movie. Um, I mean, it's it's a ten year old movie. Yeah, so I'll, I'll tell it now on air, but in the vaguest way possible that only you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason, you know there is a certain tabletop role playing game that I am obsessed with. <laughs> yes. This film is like the perfect like character origin story for that game. Yeah, yeah, it's just like Bunnies and Burrows, exactly <laughs> like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a deep cut. It is. Um, but yeah, I mean, more people need to watch this. And God, I, it's so good. I had heard about it and just sort of filed it away and forgotten. But then one of you, I think you like this channel too, uh, Good Bad Flicks. Oh, I love YouTube channel. Yeah. yeah, he was doing a thing recently about uh, found footage films, and this mm. is one of them. And I was like, oh yeah, I meant to watch that. And he loved it, and he's I think he's got great taste. So uh, I checked it out, and I totally agree. It's really well done, and they haven't done anything since. And it's, it's so crazy. They should be like. Mainlined on something. Yeah. Um, Especially for what they did on that budget. Yeah. Like, that should just get them in there. Right. And I'm amazed, like, Blumhouse or somebody didn't snatch them up. Yeah, and it's actually filmed in, like, Italy and stuff. Mm-hmm. So you've, you've got, like, free production value right there because they're using actual streets <laughs> and buildings and stuff like that. And I'm wondering how much of that was shot gorilla style. Probably a lot of it, I would say. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it was uh, when I was writing for that website, uh, one of the projects I worked on was like a roundup about like found footage films, like okay. the best of ever and like commentary on them. And so Afflicted was one of the ones that randomly got dealt to me to oh, cover. Wow. That's a good draw. And I was like, oh my God, yeah. this movie's incredible. That's great. It's really good. Yeah. Must see if you love found footage. Yeah, I agree. I don't, I, I'm sad that I didn't see this sooner, but, uh, and it's. I believe it's streaming for free on Shutter, if I'm not mistaken. Ooh. Perfect time to get into it then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. So those are my two: one terrible one and one great one. Awesome. As it often goes. <laughs> that tends to be the case. We are talking about Tenantino, new movie, 2023. Yes. Written and directed by Ruben Stein. Uh-huh. This is his debut feature film. 
And this is based on a short. Yep, he's done several shorts, one of which was a Tenantina short. I tried to watch it, but I could not find an English dub. No, there's not. Yeah, you can, you can You can watch it and not know what's going on, really, but... Yeah, and you can mm-hmm. kind of infer... If you've seen this movie, you can kind of infer what's going on. Mm-hmm. But, um... They reuse one of the bits. Yeah, right. One of the more effective scenes in the, in the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's a Spanish-language film. Again, we said it's like a Netflix debut... Uh, incredibly successful, by the way. I wanted to mention this right off the top. Um, it hit top two worldwide when it debuted on Netflix, and it got something like 40 million views in its first two weeks. Oh, wow. That's cool. Pretty good for a random Netflix drop. All right. Yeah. It, it, see, this is one of those movies that justifies me keeping Netflix. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if, it, if it wasn't for the occasional <laughs> gem like this and their deal with Mike Flanagan, mm-hmm. I would probably get rid of it. <laughs> I don't know. They dropped that new like Gamera animated series too. So oh uh, well, I I got to go in for that. I hadn't watched that. Um, but let's back up a minute. Yeah. Uh-huh. What genre is this film? Oh shit. Um, I think this is. Let's see what they call it on the OMDA. Horror mystery thriller. Mm-hmm. That that's the kind of official tag. I think it's worth clarifying a little bit to say religious horror. Religious is definitely horror. an element. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. on that thriller part, definitely psychological thriller. Yes. Agreed. And I almost want to give it the old art house tag, but I don't I don't know if it quite goes that far. I, I think it I don't think it's art house. It uh, it teases at that line a little I, I bit. I don't think this is elevated horror. <laughs> you don't? I don't. Hmm. I don't. Okay. No. Not to say that it's bad, and not to say that a movie that isn't elevated horror is bad. <laughs> but I would not put this in that whole, you know, A twenty four. I got vibes a few times. I felt like it was pushing in that way. I mean it's very well made, but yeah, I just Anyway, we'll, we'll get into that. We will talk. And oh, yeah. we will be spoiling this movie for you. Oh, yes. Yeah, so. And I would say that this is a good movie to watch first. If you mm-hmm. haven't seen this, go watch it. Come back. Listen to us. Disagree with us. Get mad at our opinions. <laughs> uh, tell us how wrong Dustin is. <laughs> I've got complex thoughts about this film we got to get into. So, okay. yeah. Right. Uh, a little more about Rubenstein, just to tie that up. And those are two names. Ruben, yeah. first name, last name, Stein. Rubenstein. <laughs> yeah, I, I get it now, yeah. Huh. Um, Variety called him one of the 10 Spanish filmmakers on the rise. Mm. Um, his short films before this have screened at more than 500 film festivals all around the world, and they've accumulated between them about 100 different international awards. So. He is lauded. Lauded and, and a, a promising new debut. Mm. So we will now enter that question as we go forward. Does this film carry that weight? Okay. All right. Well, we begin with a little um, definition of a word. Yes. Yeah. We get some uh, some info. Mm-hmm. Uh, theophany pops up on the screen. And what does that mean? Visible manifestation of a god to humankind. Mm-hmm. So we don't know why we're being shown this, but... It's definitely a put a pin in it. It's something they want us to know about. Yes. Yes. They want to make sure you understand this idea. And we open with a wedding. Mm -hmm. And we're in the 80s. We're in the 80s. Um, It's Aldolfo and Lola. Yes. Have gotten married. Um, Lola is played by Melina Smith, and Adolfo is Jamie Laurent. Mm, Both very good in the roles. Oh, they're perfect. They're the perfect, like, just like well to do Mm -hmm. family. Yeah, yeah. 
especially I like I like Jimmy Laurent a lot. He's very charismatic. Mm-hmm. And he's another good-looking Spanish guy, you know, <laughs> and it's I'm not going to say it's distracting exactly, but sometimes it was distracting. And I'm straight, so I don't know I don't know what's going on. Anyway, <laughs> just, just a shame the, uh, the the personality you know didn't match. We'll get into that. Yeah, we'll get into that too. We'll get into that too. All right. Um, yes, but they're having a wedding. It's lavish. It's very nice. You can tell they're you know well to do. Uh, it's a little later. We learned that he is a pilot and he's very well paid. Mm-hmm. Well, I think he came from money too because yeah. he said he grew up in the house that they live in, and it's a nice, huge, oh, big, big mansion. Yeah, it's nice. But very, we get a lot of. We get. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Very uh, star of David. Type manner. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if that place had a basement. Um, we get a lot of information pretty quickly. Yes. Rapid fire. Uh, we learned a couple of things that uh, the bride is pregnant with twins mm-hmm. and that she has an artificial leg. Yes. She was in an accident when she mm-hmm. was younger. We don't know the app. We only know that she's got an artificial leg. Um, they're leaving the church. After they're getting married, everyone's throwing rice, everything's happy, everything's great. People stop, and they're, like, gasping. We pull back, and Lola is bleeding mm, from the crotchal yes. region. It's a very, place you do not want to bleed from. It's a very effective shot, too, just the way it, like, morphs so quickly from joy to yeah. this shock. And the way the camera pans out. You've got the red on the white dress. Mm-hmm. Pops out. Very, very effective. Yep. So, of course, she's taken to the hospital. Or to hospital, as the Europeans say. Yes, go to hospital. <laughs> and she's told that she could never bear children. Yep. She, she lost the babies, can never have children. Lost the kids. There were some very nasty complications, and she can never have kids again. Yes. And it destroys her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we skip ahead six months. Uh, Lola is still obviously in a depression. She's got a dog now. That, or maybe they always had the dog. I don't know. But, yeah, but uh, there is a dog. That That's her comfort of some mm-hmm. some sorts. The dog's name is Kuki. <laughs> And uh, so Adolfo wants to adopt. Right. Things have been pretty cold in their house since this happened because she she just can't overcome this, which, I mean, it's so devastating. Yeah. Anyways. And she, like, wants to move back to town. They kind of live out in the country, Mm -hmm. his old family house. He says, I grew up here. I have a lot of great memories. I want to have kids here. She's resistant to this idea. Mm -hmm. However... He does take her to the local convent that has an orphanage. Yep. And isn't this where we find out that she grew up in a convent? Yeah, she grew up in one. And she's a little cagey about that experience. She is. Yeah. And they're they're walking and talking, and the Reverend Mother there says that most of the children suffer from impairments. Yeah. And Lola's looking around and sees, like, some kids playing together, and one of the girls turns and, like, half her face is burnt. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Dolfo wants two healthy children, and the Reverend Mother says that a gracious donation would be in order for that. <laughs> he says, I already have it. He's got like, an envelope in his breast pocket. He's already got it. Yeah, he's ready to go. Mm-hmm. He thought this through. And so they're kind of working Lola around on the idea, and they, they hear the organ playing first, right? Yeah, she yeah. wanders into the chapel. Yeah. And they have this organ playing, and. Beautiful music. Mm hmm. And the Reverend Mother and Adolfo come in, and uh, the Reverend Mother says, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, you know, <clears throat> the kids are playing that. Yeah, which is impressive. Yeah, and they come out, and it's two, what do you think, they're about seven? Yeah, they're a little older, not like little, little kids, yeah. but they're not teenagers yet. But they both have, like, shocking white hair, 
They're not like they're not albino, really. They are pale. They don't have pink eyes. All the synopsis, synopsi, all the synopsi <laughs> that I have seen of this film call Synopsis-sies. them call them albino, which is maybe not right, but they're very fair. Um, they're very village of the damned, is what very I was village of the damned, and I think. That's intentional because I think that's supposed to oh, sure. set up an expectation in your mind that then they then kind of play with. Yeah, that they are different. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this is our titular Tin and Tina. Mm-hmm. And they run down and, uh... <laughs> oh yeah, they're named after uh, St. Augustine. Yeah, I had a little, little bit of notes on this. Um, St. Augustine, he was alive from 354 to 430 AD. He was a writer, theologian, and philosopher who, after he was turned... To Christianity, worked as a bishop of Hapona in Argel, that's northern Africa. Uh, he's considered as father of the Western Church, and in 1295, Pope Bonifacius VIII named him Doctor of the Church due to the extensive work in life and writings about faith and religion. Mm. So, very, very lauded yes. individual. Um, yeah, and the Reverend Mother says that they were left at the doorstep. Mm-hmm. Just abandoned there. So, mysterious origin. Don't know where they came from. Uh, like the thunder claps. It's about to storm outside, and the kids scream. They say it's the wrath <laughs> of God. Yeah, they're like, oh, it's the wrath of God. Yeah. Oh. And they run to Lola, and she's like embracing them. Hugging them, yeah. <laughs> and I love the look on Adolfo's face, because he wants nothing to do with these kids. No. They're weird. And I mean, his idea from the start is, let's get a little baby. Yeah, it'll, it'll be like it's our child. Yeah, right? he says they're too old. Yeah, which, he also says they're not Spanish, <laughs> which also like good on him. Like that's the thing I just have about like if you can't have kids, like just adopt, man. Like, sure, there's, right. there's so many needy kids out there, and right. then, you know. Agreed. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, so he he's not having it, and he says they're too old and a bit strange. Yeah. <laughs> and they really poured on the waterworks because they're like, oh, uh-huh. yeah, no yeah. one's going to love us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they say no one's ever going to love us and take us home. And, of course, that works on Lola. Mm-hmm. So before they know it, they have adopted these children. Yeah, because that's what Lola spends. Is she's like, they're, they're two kids. They're looking for parents and love. And we're two people that want to be parents. And we're looking for kids to love. So it's like we can, can fill that role for each other. Right. Which makes sense on paper. Sure. Until you factor in the village of the dam. <laughs> right, right. I mean, Adolfo's not wrong. They are a bit strange. <laughs> and on the ride home, they're listening to like pop music on the radio and mm-hmm. stuff, and the kids say it's satanic. They don't yeah. like it. <laughs> so it turns off the radio, and they start singing like a religious hymn. I was getting real uh, hometown vibes <laughs> on some of this stuff. A little too close to home, did Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're really good singers, and apparently good musicians as well, so... They, they do a jaunty little hymn, and mm-hmm. you kind of get this picture of, like, oh, well, maybe they can't all be happy together. Yeah. Um, they get to their house, and they're introduced to Kuki, the dog, who barks at them. Yeah, he wants nothing to do with them. Nothing to do with them. Which, again, kind of brings us to that supernatural angle. Yeah, it's a red flag. Yeah. You know, dogs dogs know when a person's <laughs> bad, right? Right. They bark at them. Of course they do. And I wrote my notes Unless here. Unless you slather them in peanut butter first, and then, <laughs> as we learned last time... I think it was butter. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, Are we just supposed to not acknowledge the Roman pornos now, going forward? No, now that we're past that? No, we can reference them. Okay. Um, nothing like that happens in this movie, just so you know. Yeah. Don't, don't worry about that. Um, but I wrote my notes here after the dog starts barking at them, that this dog is not long for this world. 
<laughs> I think uh, as we were watching it, I was like, "Oh no, they're going to kill the dog, aren't they?" Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if you if you watch the um, reasons why it's rated on Netflix, one of them says um, animal harm, mm-hmm. something like that. So I was ready oh, for lampshaded. Wow. Yeah. So again, if that's a sort of trigger for you. This movie will probably trigger you. So. And I'll just say it now before we get to that scene. It's pretty intense. You don't see anything, but it's it's emotionally pretty intense. Yeah, I, I, I like what they don't show. But mm. when they do show stuff, it's like, ooh, yeah, it's a gut punch. Yeah. Um, so we get a little bit of like the start of their, their family life together. There is a nice little... Another little breadcrumb, little, oh, yeah, little yeah. drop here. Yeah. The kids are asking about, uh, they seem very interested in how close the convent is. Yeah. They're like, how far is it, Dad? How far away is it? Yeah, and they're already calling the mommy and daddy. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I don't know. You, you probably walked there in like 20 minutes or something. Yeah, he says it's about probably six kilometers yeah. by foot. <laughs> yeah, file that away. Yeah, and they're kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and then he's like, why do you want to know? And they're like, oh, we're just curious. Yeah, we're just curious. We're just creepy little alien children. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Adolfo's talking about how glad he is, happy that his wife is smiling again. Mm-hmm. And the kids go run off and explore the house. Oh yeah, and this is our first uh, little weird interaction we get because you hear them in a room and they're jumping on beds, it sounds like, mm-hmm. and laughing and having a good time. Yeah. And so Lola goes to look for them to, you know, I'm going to play with the kids. So right. That's what we do now. Uh, and then she realizes they are in the room they had prepared for their baby. Yeah, they're like pretty large cribs yeah. that they're jumping up and down in. And she, it, it kind of gets to her. Yeah. And this is where we get a little bit of, I think, the psychological thriller, because you can tell there's something a little off about Lola. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, understandably. Mm-hmm. You know, she had a huge traumatic But it, it seems more than the depression trauma sure. from the miscarriage. Sure. Uh, yeah, she says, this isn't your room. You know, and they, they say, sorry, mommy. Yeah, it's interesting. You, it feels like she's going to snap on them. Mm-hmm. And then it's like she manages to kind of pull that back. Right. And fade it off into be like, oh, well, this isn't your room. Yeah. And probably the most disturbing thing of all in this entire movie, we realize they've never seen a television before. Yeah. It's funny to hear Adolfo explain <laughs> it to them, too. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, they're having dinner that night mm-hmm. and they gift the parents. They have a couple of gifts for each of them. One mm-hmm. gift for each of them. They tell them to close their eyes and everything. And they bring out like a crown of thorns yep. for Adolfo and a rosary and a cross for Lola. Mm-hmm. And they tell Adolfo that that crown is like the crown that Jesus had because mm-hmm. he's the king of the household. Yeah. And they tell Lola that that's the holy rosary, and as long as she wears it, she'll be protected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so put a pin in those. And, it, it's, it, and, it, <laughs> and from their reactions, it's obvious that Lola and Adolfo are not religious. No, not at all. And Adolfo seems, he kind of has the vibe of like, well, let's just humor them because sure. this, this is all they've ever known. They grew up in a convent. Obviously, they're going to be. We, we just want to make them comfortable. Yeah. But Lola has a harder time with that. Mm-hmm. And this is where you start to kind of make connections in the back of your mind of like, well, she was in a convent, so her experiences must not have been so positive. Right. And uh, Lola's unpacking their stuff that night. <laughs> oh, but I want to talk about the dinner too. Oh, yes. The the key thing to me that happened there is they get the food out and they just kind of start oh, digging in. Right. And then Tin and Tina are watching them. Yeah. And they were they're refusing to eat and they're kind of like, well, what's wrong? And they're like, you didn't say grace mm-hmm. before you started eating. 
we can't eat till we say grace. Right. And Lola, it looks like Lola wants to like, you know, nip this in the bud right away. But Adolfo's like, whatever, I'll say grace. Yeah. yeah you know, and he just like pops off a little What's prayer. Harm, and, right. Uh, as soon as he's done, they're happy as can be. And they just dig in too. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, yeah. So they're unpacking and they've got like, I mean, are these kids like vampire hunters? Because they got like this <laughs> chest full of crosses. Yeah, it's a lot of crosses. And she's like, "Why do you have all these?" It's a it's a Belmont clan amount of crosses, <laughs> right? Uh, and they say it's so the exterminating angel can't come into the house. Mm-hmm. It was something they were taught at the convent. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Never, never came across that in Sunday school. But, yeah, that, that's, uh, you know, sounds like a Slayer lyric or something. Um, Every denomination's a little different, I understand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that night, Lola takes off her cross too. She's not wearing that shit. Yeah, she's like, "This is dumb. I'm throwing throw yeah. it in a uh, little drawer and forget about it." However, as the days wane on, we start to notice that they put the crosses up all over the house. Mm-hmm. Just make it a little homey for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and the next morning, uh, she is woken up by the sound of like rocks mm-hmm. on her window. Yep. She's trying to sleep in. <laughs> yeah, she's used to sleeping in. <laughs> but the kids are out there, and they're like using slingshots to shoot pebbles at her Which window. the slingshot, the handle is a crucifix. <laughs> yeah, they just took the Christ off of the cross yeah. and used the, yeah, the arms for the <laughs> slingshot. <laughs> Um, and Tina asks Lola if she believes in God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's very pointed about it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they're all having breakfast, and Tina says there's a way of seeing God. Oh, which notably, too, Adolfo splits at this point. Yeah, he's it, already off flying. He's, he's got a flight he has to make, and he's gone. So it's just Lola and the kids. Yep. And, uh... Yeah, yeah they say there's this way you can speak to God, and you can get a... You ask him a question or get an answer out of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll show you. If you stay seated. Mm-hmm. You have to promise to stay seated. No matter what happens, you can't get up. Yeah. So Lola's going to humor them, whatever. And uh, Tina kind of disappears off screen for a minute, comes back. You don't see what she's got. And she just puts this bag over her brother's head. Mm-hmm. And starts to fucking kill him. <laughs> and Lola starts like she's going to get up. Mm-hmm. But then I guess she remembers her promise. I don't well, know. they tell her. They're like, oh, mom, you said you wouldn't get up. Right, okay. <laughs> this begins some of my issues. And this could be part of Lola's psychology. But wouldn't you get up and stop them if kids were doing this? Wouldn't you, you would break your promise. Because she is obviously... You would hope so. ...suffocating this kid with a plastic bag. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't she get up and stop it? So I have several thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. Thought one is it could be a psychological thing. Because I think as we go further in this film, we're going to start to wonder how much of anything that we've seen actually happened or in what way did it happen that was maybe different than what we saw. That's point one. Sure, she's pretty much our uh, point of view character. Mm-hmm. Uh, point two is we, we know she's kind of got this negative emotion toward religion. So I, when I first saw it before I got further in and got more context to think about it a little bit more, my thought was like maybe she's just kind of testing them, like seeing how far they go. See how see how far they'll go, because to her it's like, well, nothing's gonna happen. You're not gonna see God. And you're not. Nothing's gonna. You're just kids being dumb. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like almost like a you know stamping the foot down and be like, well, fine, do it then. Right. You're gonna do it. Okay. Could be. Could be. Um, but like after a few seconds, you see uh, ten pointing like, mm-hmm. at nothing. 
And he's kind of making these muffled sounds, too. Yeah. And Tina takes the bag off his head. And he tells Lola that he asked for a miracle for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they had t- asked her a little bit about like why they don't have a kid. And they explained about the miscarriage and stuff. And, right. And they tell her, like, oh, well, you could just pray to God and he'll, he'll make you have a baby. He'll yeah, let you have a baby. Right. Uh, he'll just make a miracle and it'll happen. Sure. Why and, not? and then she's like, there aren't miracles. That mm-hmm. doesn't happen. You can't just pray and get what you want. Right. And then another extremely unlikely thing happens. Uh, the food fight. Yeah. They're like throwing jam at each other. It's getting everywhere. <laughs> and Lola seems okay with this. And it's like all over the walls and shit. Oh. And I'm like, fuck no. I, who would let this happen? <laughs> they're uh, precocious kids. And I'll say this. At first I thought it was okay because I was like, oh, they're really rich. They probably got like a person that cleans the house. Dude, I'm drawing the line here. <laughs> and the stuff that comes up. This is where I draw the line. <laughs> I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't keep letting the shit that's going to happen slide. Um, but what we later learn is that Adolfo's kind of a shitty husband. They have no servants, and he makes Lola do everything. Yeah. True. Uh, so the kids go to school. Mm-hmm. Start the first day of school the next day. And um, the kid who's obviously... Oh, by the way, let me play catch up on some of this stuff. Sure, sure. Um, Tin was played by Carlos Gonzalez Morolan. Mm-hmm. And Tina was Anastasia Russo. Yeah, both, both very good. Yeah, perfect in these roles. Mm-hmm. I wanted to bring that up because we're about to meet their school bully. Right. Padrito, played by Sergio Ramos. Also perfectly cast. Yes. But yeah, that's a good thing to point out that these kids, they, they do a really good job. They're not... They're not overly, overly creepy, mm-hmm. and they're not played uh, like in some sort of a sweet orphan type way yeah. either, you know? I liked it a lot because um, the reason I even brought up the Village of the Dan reference is you think they're going to be that kind of kid where they barely say anything and they're very ominous yeah. and weird and spooky. They look that way, but they don't. They act like normal kids. Yeah, they smile. Until they and just play. hit these little twists where something weird happens. Yeah. And I thought that was a good juxtaposition because I think if you went too far on either side of that, it wouldn't really work right. They, sure. they kind of found the perfect little balance yeah. in the middle for it. Right. You got to ride that fence. So yeah, they, we meet uh, Padrito. We meet Padrito. I cannot say his fucking name. We meet their little bully at school. <laughs> Padrito. Yes. And he says they look like a couple of Draculas. Mm-hmm. He, said, he calls them the children of Dracula. Yep. And we find out they don't know what the fuck that means. They don't don't know what a Dracula is. They're like, what does that mean? Once again, religious education has failed these children. (laughs) They've never seen a TV. They don't know who Dracula is. What the fuck? I mean, horror movies are bad, so. (laughs) Right. Can't watch those. (laughs) But they they quickly learn. Yeah, I love this because it's in the evening after school and they're watching TV and it's like a classic like horror host Mm -hmm. show. Yeah, it's one of the old creature features. Yeah, they're playing Nosferatu. Yeah, um, which was a the first ad- adaptation of Dracula, as I'm mm-hmm. sure everyone listening knows. Um, but they're asking Lola. There's like one person. They're like, "What?" What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, they ask Lola why they're different from the other kids, and she says that she's different too. Mm-hmm. So she shows them her, you know, artificial leg, and she says that she lost it. In, um, in a fire yeah. in a camper she and her parents were out camping and there was a wreck and her parents died mm-hmm. 
and she managed to get out, but I guess her, her leg was burnt so badly they had to amputate. Mm-hmm. And that's presumably how she ended up in a convent. Yes. Which brought my mind back to the burn girl that she saw before. Yeah. That must have reminded her of herself. Yeah, I thought that was why there was a focus on that, because yeah. it was like a trigger for her. Right. And so I think this is where we get the the start of the little arc about the dog, right? Getting there, there's... Yeah, and this is when she's noticing a lot of the crosses that are nailed up everywhere. Mm-hmm. And the kids aren't sleeping that night, and they want to play a game they call uh, Battle of the Angels. Yeah. And it it's basically starts off like hide-and-seek, but then they start hitting her with pillows. And this was another scene that kind of brought me out because I'm like, oh no, 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 no. Because feathers are going everywhere and it's like, you got to clean this shit up. Oh, it's harmless kid I don't fun. see anyone letting this shit continue, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Unless it's a b- bunch of buxom sorority girls from an 80s movie, <laughs> I don't see this happening. Huh. An- anyway. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but... During all the horseplay, they put a pillowcase over her head. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of starting to suffocate, and they tell her to ask God what she wants when she sees him. Mm-hmm. And Which, at this point, you're kind of wondering, like, did they teach them this at the orphanage? Because where did they get this from? That's a good question. Yeah. That's a very good question. Is it something they came up with themselves? Did they misinterpret Mm-hmm. Something from the Bible. Because we kind of glossed through it, but um, when they visit the convent and they're talking to the the mother there, um, she does mention they're very strict, their style of like teaching the kids and stuff. True, true, true. Which we'll come back to that later, but... Um, they take the bag off and she's like panting and everything, and Adolfo's there. Mm-hmm. He appears in the doorway and he says that the kids need some serious punishment, but she kind of defends them and says they're just kids. Yeah, just kids being kids, you know, how you just try to... Suffocate people. Suffocate sure. people to death. That normal, normal yeah. normal stuff. Happens. Uh, and that is also something that should not be left to slide. <laughs> you know, I, I know it's the early 80s here, and they're giving the kids some leeway, one, they're orphans, two, they grew up in a fucking church. But man, <laughs> I mean, trying to suffocate people, that's not cool. You know, you know... You don't, you don't want to let that sort of behavior continue. <laughs> but the kids say if they've done something bad, they deserve to be punished. Because mm-hmm. that's how you reach salvation. Yep. And um, during this scene, like, Kuki is with Lola. But she's the dog's getting agitated by the children. And she snaps yeah, and it, bites Lola's Yeah, because makes them come up there to apologize to her. Right. If, if they're not going to punish them, yeah. then they have to at least apologize. And she's up in the bedroom with the dog. Yeah. And the dog kind of turns and bites Lola. And Pretty nasty bite, too. Runs off, yes. And, yeah, it goes back to what the kids said. You know, if something bad happens, you got to be punished for it. Sure. And so they decide that they're going to fix the dog. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's another scene of them getting bullied before that, though. Mm, yeah. They're on the playground at, at school. And, and They're trying swings for the first time. Yeah, Tim is afraid of the swing. <laughs> And Pedrito comes up and they have their goons start pushing the tin up really high. He t- tells them to fly like Dracula. <laughs> That's a line I really like. I love every time he says Dracula too, it's like Dracula. Yeah, Dracula. It's great. It's fantastic. Uh, 
Oh, yeah. So the kids, and that night they're watching the creature feature. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lola and Adolfo are sneaking upstairs. Yeah. They're obviously, you know, getting a little frisky. Um, so they tell the kids to go ahead and watch it. That's cool. It's funny because they think they're sneaking by them and they get almost to the stairs and then they're like, hey. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are y'all doing? <laughs> but while they're going at it, Tina sneaks into the room. Sees what they're doing. They're under covers and stuff. You know, the, the other funny thing, too, is that we see them in the hall first, and they play rock, paper, scissors to decide who has to go in there. <laughs> right, right. Loser <laughs> has to go in. Um, and she kind of crosses herself yeah. when she sees them under the covers. And she grabs, like, I'm not sure what it is, but it's Lola's medicine that mm-hmm. she's been taking. She has a little, like, dropper. Um, I guess it's some sort of a sedative or something. I think so, yeah, because we see earlier she puts it in her coffee that she has. Right, yeah. See, I grilled Tiffany about that, but there wasn't enough info to go off of to figure out. So, right, yeah, I'm sure it's just some sort of a for her nerves. Uh, yeah. So they put those creepy masks on. Adolfo was showing them some earlier, saying mm-hmm. they were from China. <laughs> Which buckle up on that front? Yeah. <laughs> and they put that medicine in the dog's food, and the dog eats it. And then we see them dragging the dog into the house, mm-hmm. into the living room, in front of the sofa. And this is where the camera kind of stays locked. Yeah. Luckily, the, the back of the sofa is blocking our it, view yeah, from what's it, going it on. It locks at an angle where you can't see what they're doing at all. You can only hear it. Yeah. Um, yeah, they like get out a bunch of kitchen knives and like a pizza cutter and stuff like that. And they're trying to pick which one to use. It's funny because Tin wants like the tiniest one. Yeah. And she's like, no, you can't use that one. Yeah, you gotta use a bigger one. And she makes him end up, was it dual wielding like a knife and a pizza cutter? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But she takes the biggest knife for herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so luckily we don't see this part, but. They um, operate on the dog. Yes. As you. As you would yeah. if you're a weird, fucked up kid. And they said something about like taking something out of the dog, and they, they put water on it. Mm. They're going to bless it. And then they're putting it back into the dog, and Tina's sewing it up. Mm-hmm. Which they had set up a little thing about that, too, because um, in one of their little incidental scenes, Lola uh, likes to sew, and yeah. she teaches Tina how to. Right. And they find out that she's really good at it. Yeah. Uh, they seem to think that Lola will be very happy about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they're cleansing his soul. That's what mm-hmm. they're doing. So he won't be bad anymore. And they decide to just watch TV until she gets up. <laughs> Which takes a that, while. <laughs> yeah. But there's that nice creepy shot where they sit on the couch to watch. And we still have that same locked-in mm-hmm. perspective. And they've their masks, they have pushed back on their heads. So it looks like they're looking back at us yeah, yeah. with their masks. While Very effective forward shot. to the television. Yeah. I got another thought of the whole um, Yanis thing that we brought up during... Open your eyes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the dual faces. And you know, right now, while we're here, I wanted to talk about um, the score in this film is really cool. I actually quite like the music. Um, there's this main title thing that's like this humming, kind of like, hmm, hmm, mm. I think it's really, really good. It gives me like Silent Hill vibes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it was composed by Jocelyn Pook, which I don't think I've recognized her name from anything else. But um, yeah, I thought it was like really effective and really blended in with the film well. Okay. So the music didn't stick out to me, but that could also be a good thing. Because sometimes you don't want it to draw attention to itself. Mm-hmm. But if I ever watch it again, I'll have to pay more attention. So invariably, morning comes. Yeah. <laughs> and um, Cookie never wakes up. No. And they go to their parents covered in blood. 
Yeah, saying that Cookie's not waking up. They say they cleansed Dog's soul because he was mean to Mommy. Yep. And they, they seem genuinely sad that the dog's dead. It's like they don't understand. Yeah. And Adolfo's saying it's an accident. They didn't know what they were doing. While Lola just <laughs> is bereft and is crying over the corpse. Of the, and this is when they show the dog. Yeah. And she's like laying next to it. and. Oh. It's a very, um, it made me think of Hereditary. Do you know the scene where it's like she's grieving and it like cuts through time? Yes. It's almost that sort of moment. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, it's rough. Because um, it, it jumps ahead a bit and she's still grieving over it even then. Mm-hmm. And once again, I have to say, at this point, when do you draw the fucking line? <laughs> These kids have now killed their dog. This is not good. This is not normal. This is not healthy. This isn't. You can't excuse this. You know, these kids need some sort of help. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was the early 80s. Maybe psychology wasn't as accepted <laughs> as it is now. I don't know what the situation in Spain was, that point True. of view. True. Um, maybe you just didn't take children <laughs> to the psychologist when they start killing animals. Well, I think notably one thing to focus on is that Adolfo pretty readily believes them. He does. That they're innocent and it was an accident. They, they seem remorseful. But that's that's forgiving a lot. And, and that's one of my issues with this movie. A lot of things are just kind of forgiven. Mm-hmm. When, no, fuck that. <laughs> you know? This is really where you would draw the line. These kids would be going back to the orphanage. Or to a doctor. Well, she wants, them, she wants them to go back at this point. Yeah, but I, I But just, Adolfo fights her on it. Right. I mean, I, just, I don't see... It's just too stubborn. Maybe he's come to love the kids. I don't know. I mean, it, we do see them playing together and being loving and things like that. But mm-hmm. I mean, they just killed your dog. Yeah, it's. I think it's the first time he's gone on a flight. Um, we see the back end of that at one point, and it's like they're with Lola doing stuff, and then he comes in the door, and they immediately abandon her and go running, and they're like, "Oh, Dad!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> but yeah, later on, Adolfo's gone flying again. Lola hears the kids kind of moaning and crying out. She goes to check what's happening. And they're going, coming up the stairs on their knees. Yep. And they're in extreme pain for some reason. Yeah. And she finds out they've taken cutlery and like wrapped it around their knees. Yeah. And they've been walking on it. I got real uh, St. Maud vibes yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Which I actually think this would be a good companion film to that in some ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be. Um, and she's cleaning the wounds and... She says there's not going to be any more penance in this house and tells them it won't resurrect Kuki. Yeah, because that's what they were thinking. They thought if they did an act in penance, it would make up for what they did and God would bring Kuki back. Yeah. And she tells them that religion's a fantasy. Mm-hmm. Which they don't really take that well. No. <laughs> but they say that they believe in one day, so, she, so will she. Yep. They seem pretty sure of that. So we get another kind of time jump. Mm-hmm. It's New Year's Eve. Well, don't we have the? Doesn't the thing happen with the bully before that? Uh, no, that's later on. Is it? Hmm. It is. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're up celebrating, staying up late. Uh, Tina asks if she can help, and Lola's getting in the kitchen, getting things ready. She says she can put sugar on the cake. And Tina grabs something, brings it back, but Lola stops her and says, no, that's poison. Mm-hmm. And she kind of asks herself, what's it doing here in the cupboard? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a pretty good fucking question. What's it doing there well, in see, the cupboard? See, Tiffany got kind of PO'd it back. She's like, why is that there? Yeah, why well, would it be but so close to everything My else? inference was that the kids 
put it there in advance. Sure. As like a setup. Right. I think that's something we're supposed to believe. Mm -hmm. Or not believe. Or not believe. I don't know. Maybe they just keep poison with their food. Uh, It also took me back to, uh, was it Bloody Birthday that we did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The kid sucking the chick out. (laughs) Um, And then Lola just like doubles over and like collapses. Yeah. Something's wrong with her. Yes. She goes back to hospital. And is told that she is pregnant. Mm-hmm. And even and the she, doctor's she's like, like, it's, it's a impossible, miracle. Yeah. And she's like, well, I guess it's just a miracle. Yeah. And the kids are just like, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> See? See? We told you. So we get more time passes. Mm-hmm. And their relationship kind of starts to change at this point. Lola becomes very, like, withdrawn yeah. from the family. Right. Uh, she's busy like sewing blankets for the baby, mm-hmm. and she kind of doesn't want anything to do with Tin and Tina now. She seems pretty, yeah, just concerned mostly about her baby and herself. And then we get <laughs> a musical number. Yeah. So there's a song, and it was popular, I guess, of this time in that area of the world. And uh, what was what, the song called? I don't remember the title. Is it the the Chinese spinning plate song or yeah, something like that? Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's and I wrote that it's kind of a creepy, kind of racist song. Yeah, <laughs> it's sort of like a disco-y... It's very upbeat. Yeah, and they use it in the trailer mm-hmm. to great effect. Um, I'm sure the song's on YouTube, and I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, because it's, uh, it's, it's Adol- wild. Yeah, Adolfo had brought them these Chinese spinning plates. Yeah, because he knew like, they liked the song. Yeah, stick on a plate, you know, you spin it. But apparently it came with a tape, and that's a song, and you sing it whilst you're spinning the plate. <laughs> and yeah, they, they go all out, man. They, they, they do the number. They're, they're singing the song, doing the dance. Yep. And uh, yeah, it, it's a very... <laughs> it's so it, racist. It's it, and it's also just like subtly creepy yeah. in a way. I don't know if it's because of the kids singing it and how they're singing it, but it's it's mm-hmm. kind of creepy. And they're asking Lola if she believes in God now because of the miracle that she's pregnant. Uh, she's, she's no. She's, she's like no, <laughs> yeah. no. But then Tina says talks about how Mary was sad because she knew her baby would have to be sacrificed. Mm-hmm. Even though I don't really think. That's a thing. I don't think that's in the Bible. I don't think Mary had any idea about that. <laughs> I think that's their own inference. Right. Uh, <laughs> and they said they would be sad if their baby brother had to be sacrificed. Mm-hmm. Another big warning sign right there. <laughs> the uh, the red flag store is running low. Seriously. It's like, no, time to get rid of these children. Uh, this is where we get the Pedro, uh, Pedrito thing. Yes, yes, yes. yes. They, they go through uh, communion at their school. Yep. The first communion for the kids. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You, you know the nice part where everyone gets together and decides they're going to um, eat the flesh. <laughs> and the blood of And Christ. the blood of a person. Yeah. yeah. To be blessed. Yep. But. And you know, as we were watching this this scene, I mean, I've, you've seen this in other movies before, of course. And I don't know why it struck me this time, but I was like... You know, a lot of the stuff that happens in Catholicism, and I'm sorry if you're listening and you're Catholic for what I'm about to say, but really no different from doing like a magic ritual. No, it's when you get down same to thing. it, it's all magic. It, it's all like the intention, and you're doing a specific mm-hmm. ritual to focus that intention. And yep. yeah, transubstantiation is magic. <laughs> now, it comes from a holy place, I guess, but yeah, it's still magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Pedrito's giving all the kids a hard time. And uh, 
the kids say that you know, he's blasphemed and he's going to be punished by God. Mm-hmm. And then we get to the church. They're doing starting the whole service and all that thing. Uh, and the church Lola is kind of nervously looking around for the kids. She doesn't see them. Yeah, they're not there. But she does see a distraught woman also looking around <laughs> who eventually gets up and leaves. Mm-hmm. And then it's revealed that the kids were the ones playing the organ. Mm-hmm. Which has been going the whole time. Which has been going the whole time. But then uh, Pajito comes in and he looks kind of bloody. He looks pretty fucked up, yeah. Yeah, and he just collapses. And he falls into a coma. We learn that he fell off a cliffside. Yep. <laughs> Conveniently. Yep. And this happens while the kids are also receiving communion. Mm-hmm. And Lolo just straight up asked them later if they had anything to do with them. And they just said that they will pray for him. Mm-hmm. That's all they say. <laughs> How Christian of them. <laughs> yeah. Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. Uh, and she does talk to Adolfo about this suspicion too. And he is just like, whatever. I don't think they did it. They're right. fine. They, they're just weird. Oh, and when Lola's talking to them, there's this cool shot where they're in the hallway. She's mm, in her bedroom. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we're just seeing their faces reflected in mirrors. Mm-hmm. That was so, interesting. Yeah, more double imagery. Because it's like she tilts her... Little yeah, like t- desk mirror. Instead of looking directly at yeah. them, yeah, she tilts her like makeup mirror <laughs> to see them in it. And we see her face reflected, and we see their face at the back we're seeing the back of them, but their faces are reflected in another mirror. That's very clever. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, and then Pedrito call Pedrito's mother calls. Mm-hmm. Cause she thinks Tenantina had something to do with it. Yeah, she does. She says that Pedrito was seen lagging behind with Tenantina. She suspects they pushed him off the cliff because she knows. He, he, well, she, she even, even says, says yeah, that he's yeah. no saint. You know, you yeah. Know. She says, "I know he's no saint. I know he's gives the other kids him. hell and stuff. Yeah. And he probably did deserve it in a way, but you know, it's still upsetting, of course." Mm-hmm. So Lola finally decides to do something mm-hmm. and goes back to the convent and talks to the Reverend Mother. Ask her if they were ever violent. Yeah, she's like, I think there's something wrong with the kids. Yeah, gee, hmm. Gee, Took well, a while. And this is where we get a little more insight into kind of the style of this convent because there's a big plaque sign like up above her desk mm-hmm. that she's staring at before their meeting. And it's the old uh, spare the rod, spoil the child. Yep. Yep. This church is obviously big into the whole suffering thing. And you, you can tell it really puts off Lola. Oh, yeah. So that was where I started to wonder, did she go to a similar type of convent? Mm-hmm. Does she go through the same sorts of things? Right. And she's basically getting preached at by the Reverend Mother. Yeah. And Lola says that there isn't a God. And the Reverend Mother says something about like how absence is presence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how he proves existence <laughs> by his absence. Okay. Well, that didn't work for you. <laughs> I guess it worked for some people. <laughs> and that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. I believe everyone should believe the way they want to believe. But, you know, I'm going to call bullshit on certain things. I'm sorry. Uh, so Lola... That's a bullshit answer when there's a kid in a coma, man. Come on. <laughs> right. Uh, Lola sneaks into the kid's room that night and finds a couple of drawings. Mm-hmm. Some rather disturbing drawings. One of them killing the dog. Mm-hmm. And another of them shooting their slingshots at a bloody Pedrito. Yep, who's like down in the rocks. Yeah, and they get little uh, word balloons above their head with uh, Bible verses. (laughs) Hmm. 
So she's waiting up all night, and Adolfo finally stumbles in around four in the morning. And she's like, you smell booze. He says he's out hanging out with the other pilots or whatever. Yeah, she does the old, uh, she's in the chair in yeah, the dark. waiting. And then yeah. clicks the light Man, on. You don't want that. You never want to come home to that. <laughs> Fuck that shit. Never ends well. <laughs> uh, but Lola tells him that she thinks the kids are using the Bible to justify their evil acts. Mm-hmm. And he shows them the drawings. And he gets super pissed off. Yep. He's like, they're just kids. They didn't do anything wrong. They're innocent. They just got weird beliefs. He tears up the drawings and he says, you never forgave them for killing the dog. (sighs) Yeah, I wouldn't either. (laughs) That is not normal behavior. (laughs) And it's from this point on where we really see their relationship, like how soured it actually is. Yeah, things start to crumble here. Um, Because again, he makes her do fucking everything and just Mm -hmm. like... Very down on her. Right. And everything she does. Yeah. I was like, man, come on. So Lola locks up all their religious paraphernalia, and they're bawling about it. Mm-hmm. And she says that, you know, when you're older, you can open this box. Yeah, when you're ready to actually discern. Yeah. Old enough <laughs> to decide for yourself, not yeah. just spouting the indoctrination you've been, you know, drilled into. Uh <laughs> And until then, though, they are not to express religious beliefs, or they will go back to the convent. Yep. She lays down a little rule. Yep. And this is where we get to um, the next big incident with them, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she comes down the next morning. uh, The kids are playing with Adolfo, and they're all staring at her when she comes in. And she's basically pulling clumps of hair out. Mm Mm-hmm. And she's talking about how the kids did it somehow. <laughs> was uh, it stress? Yeah. Uh, so she cuts her hair short. Yep. Did this remind you of anything? Yeah, it's very uh, Mia Farrow, Rosemary's, Rosemary's baby, baby look yep. going on, which I think is intentional. Oh, it's absolutely intentional. Absolutely. I love. I love how like I love a reference like this where it's subtle. Mm-hmm. They're not like shoving it in your face, but if you if you know it, you get it. Right. Yeah. It's kind of shorthand, mm-hmm. and it could be used to prepare you for something, get you thinking about something. Or, or mislead you. Or mislead you. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so she calls Pedrito's mom and finds out that he died three days ago. Yeah, she wants an update. And she's like, an update? He's dead. Mm-hmm. Um, but three is an important number. Mm-hmm. Because Christ rose after three days. Mm-hmm. Um, How observant the Trinity, of you. Yeah. yeah. Three is a uh, magical number. It is, very much so. Um, so she's begging Adolfo to stay, but he says, you know, I gotta go, gotta go fly the plane. And in the morning we see the kids pouring something powdery into the milk. Oh yeah. You know, I wanted to talk about her like milk drinking habits. Cause it was one of the funny things that stood out to me is yeah. like, I know she's in a weird place and she's got a lot of trauma sure. and I'm okay with that, but she fucking heats up milk on the stove to drink. Yeah. I mean, that's a thing. I don't know, man. You're supposed to, if you can't sleep, you're supposed to use warm milk. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's what they say. I thought it was weird. <laughs> yeah, warm milk to go to sleep. So it's this bitch stalking around the house drinking warm milk all the time. I don't know. <laughs> that's not... Okay, that is not nearly as unusual as two children killing a dog. All right? This this is what, what you flag? This is the part that troubles you? Well, yeah, because I understand how they killed the dog. <laughs> now, whether it was intentional or an accident, that's remains to be seen, but... All right, so the kids are pouring something into her milk. Yeah. 
Which it kind of implies it's like the poison, maybe. Because sure. it looks the same as the sugar. Yeah, we don't see a label or anything. But she is tied up yeah, she in w- bed. She wakes up tied up. Tied up with a Christmas tinsel. And they're trying to get her to drink. And I like that, too, how we cover a lot of time, but they're very subtle. There's no, like, title cards that tell us time has passed. Right. We just kind of know based on little contextual things. Sure. Um, and Tin has his face painted up all creepy. Yep. And he's, like, singing the show, the song to this game show they've been watching, mm-hmm. which in itself is kind of creepy, too. Yeah, you've seen it once or twice in, like, the little TV watching sprees. Yeah. Um... And they're threatening to inject this liquid into her belly to give it to the baby. They want her to drink it at first. Right. And she refuses to drink it. And then they're like, they wanted, well... They wanted to feed the baby. Yeah, they got to make sure their brother or little sibling's going to be help, uh, healthy. Mm-hmm. So Little Funny gets free. And... Oh, and Tin and also have... She has her, her leg. He has yeah. her official leg. He picks it up and dances with it while he's singing the theme song. Yeah. Which is also pretty creepy. So she doesn't have access to it. So she's kind of hobbling down steps. And Man, she books it hopping yeah. along. And she grabs a knife. Just in time, of course, for Adolfo to come home. Of course. See her looking all crazy and shit. And she's saying they tried to poison me. He said they were like, it's just powdered sugar in the milk. Yeah. You know, we just wanted to feed the baby. <laughs> a little treat for the baby. And they look at her all fucking crazy as her water breaks. And you, you can tell this is like where he is going to like probably like lock her down or send her off or something. But then, yeah, her water breaks and yeah. kind of interrupts the moment. Right. Um, I, I will be a little nitpicky here. Uh, the CG they used to erase her lower leg, it was very blurry. Oh, yeah. It was pretty noticeable. I didn't know. At notice. least it was for me. Hmm. Might go back and rewatch that then. But I don't know. I, I tend to look for that sort of shit for some reason. I like to ruin movies for myself. Uh, clearly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, the entire time, Adolfo's trying to rationalize, saying that they were just being kids, and mm-hmm. he told them to prove their love. Like Before he left, he was like, do something nice for mommy. Yeah. But she was fucking tied up. <laughs> if you're doing something nice for someone, unless they're asking for it, you shouldn't have to tie them up. <laughs> well, as we learned in our last few films, <laughs> they don't know they want it until they're tied up, right? Uh huh. And then they they find that they actually quite like it. <laughs> sure, I don't think that's a good lesson to be imparting to our listeners. No, no, it's not. <laughs> Never do that. Um, so the baby is born. And the kids are greeting him. And Lola is obviously very much like, stay the fuck away from my baby. <laughs> and Adolfo's like, let them greet their sibling. Yeah. And they're asking when he's going to be baptized. She's just flat out like, he's not going to be baptized. Yeah. When he's old enough to make their own decision, is what she mm-hmm. says. Which I completely agree with. Fully support that. Yep. Um, and they, they give the obvious challenge that anyone deep in the faith would give would be well what if you do if you don't baptize him and something was to happen and he dies he'll go to limbo yep we've got a purgatory and it's funny because i think it's 10 he's like and limbo's the worst place to go yeah well, I was like really I, don't I think hell's worse but okay um but adolfo is being a real prick here yeah and he says well this is a democracy so let's vote so they all vote that they're going to baptize the baby which it's interesting because very subtly throughout the film, they kind of bring in some like historical stuff. Because one of the earliest scenes in the film, there's like a news thing about uh, stuff going on in the government. Yeah, it's like a attempted revolution or something. Yeah, like yeah, that yeah. Too. 
And it kind of comes back up here, too, because he's talking about, like, oh, you know, we're embracing democracy now, so yeah. let's all vote on this as a right. family. Right. Um, I meant to do some research on that, but I suck. Hmm. Is that, like, near the end of the Franco era? It might be. I didn't look into it either because it's so subtle in this film. Like, yeah. it's, it's a very undertext. And I assume if you are someone from Spain, you're probably going to pick up a lot more out of that. Right, yeah. Um, it's one of those things, if we put in the research, I think perhaps we can <laughs> yeah, glean a little more. time, a little um, research. But, you know, can't cover everything, so. Right, right, right. But also, I mean, there is such a thing as just, like, you know, reading the material that's there mm-hmm. and not... Okay, so anyway. We are still valid critics. <laughs> Jason's I'm very concerned say. now. I am. <laughs> okay, so... We get more Adolfo being an ass. Yeah, this is the stuff. He's, they said they got a nice pool, the the mansion, of course. Mm-hmm. And he sets up a TV outside with the antenna so they can... Yes, and we see him setting up the antenna up on the roof. And he's asking the kids if it's coming in yet. Yeah, tell them when it's uh, coming in good. Yeah. And then the next thing we get, he's lounged out in front of that TV. The kids are playing in the pool. And he's like shouting at Lola, like, where's my, <laughs> where's my food? Where's he, this? Get me a beer. Yeah, yeah. He literally asked her to get him a beer. And he's like, yeah, where's my omelet? Yeah. Like, oh, this fucker, dude. Come on. Yeah, yeah. So either you don't like this fucker or you admire him. You know, it's one or the other. <laughs> I, I hated him for most of the film, to be honest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the kids are putting on sunscreen yeah. as ordered by Lola. And that was a pretty good call because these kids are so fucking pale. I'm surprised they haven't exploded yet being in the Spanish sun like this. <laughs> um, but. We get some weirdness again. Yeah, Lola's going around. She's, she's going to the hen house to collect some eggs. The kids announce that they're going to baptize the baby, but Adolfo shuts them up because he's watching a football match. Yeah, he's like, hey, be quiet down. He wants to watch the game in peace. He's not paying attention to them. And they're like, okay, whatever. <laughs> So while Lola's getting the eggs, we see the kids gather up the baby, and they're dunking him in. Ten's holding him by the feet yeah. while Tina is reciting. It, it's funny because they're asking themselves how to do it almost. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Hold him by the feet. He's like, he's heavy. Like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and they dip him in the water, and they just keep him there. And, 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 and again, they frame this well where you never see the baby going, like, submerged. Right. But, right. Um, good, yeah. good, like... It's almost like the Roman Porto thing where it's like they stage it mm-hmm. the way they filmed it to like avoid that part. Stuff they don't want to show. Let's yeah. use something to block that view. Right. Um, but yeah, Tan's like, how long do I keep him here? And, and Tina's like, well, we want him to be good and baptized. So a little bit longer. <laughs> I mean, you think they would have seen some baptisms. And it's such, you know? a, it's such a tense moment too because the dad's right there and he is completely oblivious. And it would just take two seconds for him to stop them. And he doesn't. Right, yeah. And he's not, yeah. He's not paying any attention. Um, and Lola's coming in, it's like her spotty senses kick in, yeah. right? She's like, something is fucked up here. <laughs> and she looks over, and she sees them dangling the baby in the pool. And she runs over, grabs the kids, like spanking his back and everything like that. And the kids are kind of freaking out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Adolfo gets up, it's like, what the fuck? Yeah, all this noise interrupting my show. Yeah, y'all be quiet. I'm trying to watch football. <laughs> so the, the baby's alive. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, Lola goes into Adolfo, rightly yeah. so. She finally unloads on him. Yeah, like not even not paying any attention to the kids. They're, they're, they're killing your son while you're sitting there watching TV. And Adolfo, finally, rightly. Yeah, finally, finally, finally. But I don't, it's not, it's because Lola bitched at him more than mm-hmm. anything, I yeah. think. And, and, and sure, they almost killed his son, so that's got to, you know, sting too. 
Of course. <laughs> Finally, they're doing something. <laughs> but he goes off and he burns the Bible because they had gotten their Bible out of the chest. Yeah, they had one special little Bible that they always kept. Yeah. And he burns it in front of them. Mm-hmm. And he says, you are not my children. You're going back to the convent. Yep. Finally. Fucking Finally. It takes attempted infanticide for these people to say, hey, maybe these kids aren't a good fit for us. So another justification for that, I'm not trying to make excuses for them, but there is a thing of like, okay, so you adopted these kids. They're little orphan kids from a convent. You feel sorry for you them. You don't want to take them back and say like, oh, I don't like these kids. I give, I give them back now. No one wants to be the person to do that. You would feel very shitty doing that, mm-hmm. but... I'm calling it, man. It's dog. You know, uh-uh. <laughs> fuck you. You're going back. You know. I mean, I would call it there too, but it's a horror film, right? They have to make it's... dumb decisions to lead us to right. a point, right? And and Lola would have. Mm-hmm. Adolfo didn't want to, and that's part so... of the uh, like the drama that's in this. I think, right, right. Get the whole patriarchy thing happening here too. Yep, I was going to talk about that. Oh. Um. So we see the kids being left at the orphanage. Mm-hmm. And Alfredo and Lola are celebrating their son's first birthday. And I think we have a, t- a time jump here, too. Yeah, skipped ahead a little bit. Because mm-hmm. they're having a nice dinner and stuff like that with the baby there. And Lola's wondering if she was a bad mother. And you get, they still have sympathy for Tim and Tina that mm-hmm. they left behind. They feel like they failed them somehow. Also, in my notes, I wrote, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think that's a very real emotion, though. Um, you know, I've heard stories of, like, uh, people that do, like, foster care, right? Sure. And sometimes they you get a kid, and it's like, they've already been so, through so many things that at that point, it's like, you can't help them, really, right. at that point. But you still feel like it's your, your failing that you couldn't help them. Yeah. If that makes sense? Sure. And I'm also not a parent. <laughs> I've never adopted a kid, you know. But still, man, you know. You don't kill someone's dog. That's not cool. <laughs> um, so meanwhile, it's storming, and the Reverend Mother is indoctrinating all the children. Yep. Tell them about the wrath of God. Yeah. And they're all sleeping in this big hall, even though this convent looks fucking huge. You yeah. think there like, might be some rooms for them to spread around in, but whatever. No, it's like summer camp. Oh, okay. Well, it's like the Vatican with all of their gold and precious <laughs> jewels and gems. And, 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 and the books they didn't want us to read. Yeah. <clears throat> we'll disseminate this knowledge when we want to. Uh, anyway. <laughs> so at the mill, Lola talks about maybe getting a job as a seamstress. Yeah, she says, hey, I've been thinking about it, and I, I think I'm going to get a job as a seamstress. I'm really good at it. I like to do it. Yeah. And Adolfo's like, fuck that. <laughs> I don't want no liberated woman. Yeah. What she basically says is like, you know, we need you to take care of the house and the baby and everything. Don't be silly. And the baby starts crying. This is a great scene. Yes. The kid starts crying. They're yeah. in this pretty fancy It's a very restaurant. nice restaurant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, Lola is just taking the time eating her cake. She's, She's got a dessert. very delicious looking cake. And mm-hmm. yeah, she is just, ah. Uh, taking her time. So delicious. And <laughs> Adolfo's looking around, looking at the baby, looking at his wife. It's like, Aren't you going to do something? Pick up the baby? You know, the baby's crying. Don't you hear your kid crying? And she's just, you know, ignoring him. She's like, yeah, you know, and she's eating her cake. And he gets more and more upset. He's looking around, embarrassed. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's frustrating because that's what he's more worried about. 
It's not that he's upset that the kid is crying. He's upset that everyone else is looking at them and mm-hmm. judging them. And his wife won't pick up the kid mm-hmm. to make it quiet. Which she straight out says, look, you pick up yeah, the kid. Yeah. You comfort him. You pick him up. Yeah. It's your son. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes, yes, queen. Yes. <laughs> you go. That's right. Go, girl. <laughs> Damn right. A uh, little quick anecdote, a mother, a, a story my mother likes to tell sometimes, but... Um, when uh, we lived in Arizona for a little while, but when I came back, I was like two or something like that. Mm-hmm. So we're with my grandparents for the first time, and I'm I'm there as a baby with my father and my grandfather on the front porch of their house. Mm-hmm. And uh, so wait, is this before Christ or after? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Go, right, right, right. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, <laughs> asshole. Uh, <laughs> so mom's going out to do something, run an errand, whatever. And my grandfather asked, "Well, what if the kid, what if the baby needs changing?" And mom stops and looks at him and says, his father will take care of that. <laughs> so two generations there. Yep. Very different outlooks. Yep. That's great. So they're on their way home and it's raining. Adolfo's pissed. He's driving way too fast. Yeah. And she even comments and is like, hey. Uh, you're going to kill us. You're going to get us killed. Yeah. Something crosses the road. Yeah, we don't really see. It's like two shadows. It looked to me like it was a horse, like a horse in a cart. Is what it looked like to me. I couldn't make anything. You didn't out. make that no. out. That's that's what I think I saw. I thought it was two sets of like legs that I saw moving. Right, and Which, I that for could some be a reason, horse. I thought but, it was two horses. Uh, obviously, I immediately thought it was Tin and Tina fucking with them. Right, and I think that's what we're supposed to think. Because mm. again, they they were asking how far away the comet was and everything. Yeah, it's just a jaunty walk away. Yeah. So Lotus putting the baby to sleep that night. And is, is it before or is it now that they have that conversation where she's like, I don't know if I want to be married to you. It's right after this. Okay, yeah, yeah. okay. Because she, she thinks she hears like some thudding sounds. Mm-hmm. She goes downstairs and investigate, and there's an unlocked back door, glass door kind of swinging open with the wind. She closes it, locks it. Uh, there's some wet prints on the floor. She follows them into the room. Adolfo's in there, the living room, watching TV. And she's like, you know, you didn't shut the door. He says, oh, I thought I did. <laughs> and he's like, come watch TV with me. She's like, no, I want to go to bed. But he insists, no, come here, watch TV with me. And it's that dumb fucking game show. <laughs> yeah, that, that seems to be the only fucking program. I know there were probably like three channels, but still. <laughs> I would stick to the horror host, Whatever, man. Whatever the two other choices were have to be better than those. But uh, he's talking about how, oh, we should go on this game show. You know, we would do great. And yeah, because it's, it's one with about, like, how do you know your significant yeah, other kind of yeah. thing. So he, he looks down at her, and she's, like, holding the wedding ring yeah. in her hand. It's off. Yeah, it's off. And he's like, why did you take that off? So without even her even saying anything, he realizes what's going on. Mm-hmm. And he's like, nope, we're not getting a divorce. That's not happening. Uh-uh. Nope. I love you. <laughs> and she's just... I mean, you can tell she's just had it. Who can blame her? Mm-hmm. He's, he's all pissed off. He's like, oh, you know, tomorrow you'll feel better, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, just upset from the night. Yeah, and he's still mad, and the lights kind of flicker. Yeah, we get like a peal of thunder, too. Yeah, and the TV goes out. He's like, fuck. And we see him start to go upstairs. She's like, where are you going? I'm going to go fix the antenna. Yep. Okay. You may have had the same thought I did. The last thing you want to do during a thunderstorm is go up and play around with a big piece of metal. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Adolfo has no such reservations. 
I think also though he's not wanting to continue this conversation anymore. Right, and he's probably, he's not thinking straight. And it's even the exact line he delivers. It kind of made me think it was almost like a a dual purpose thing because they're talking about their relationship. TV goes out, and he gets up and he starts to walk away, and she's like, "Where are you going?" And he says, "I can fix it." Right. Yeah. And it almost seemed like it was like, is he talking about the antenna mm. or is he talking about their relationship? Subtext. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was I was locked in on this film Very at this nice. point. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. So he's marching upstairs. I guess there's like a patio exit thing up there on the second floor. Mm-hmm. And I like this scene a lot. Okay, so this is like the best scene of the movie. It is the best scene. And yeah, it's great. It seems like it's a one take. Shot. It looks like a wonder. Yeah. It's now like, I don't know if it is. If it's if it's not, they did some very clever editing. Mm-hmm. But from this point on until like the scene ends, it's all just one continuous shot, kind of drifting camera yeah. following her through yeah. the house. Yeah. And it is so fucking good. It's really good because it's pretty tight on her, and like yeah. you said, the camera's kind of drifting, like floating. Mm-hmm. It reminded me a bit of angst. Yes. Yes. It's a good comparison. Yeah. How that like first person camera is just floating around. It's like it's attached to her almost in yeah. a way. Yeah. And it, you keep expecting to see Tin and Tina behind her. Mm-hmm. At least I do. Yeah. Like creeping up or moving her That's in the like shadows the or something. Blumhouse 101, right? Right. Right. Yeah. But it never happens. Uh-uh. And it yeah. just it keeps doing it. You think it's going to happen. And nope, it doesn't. Um, but the lights are still flickering. And she hears the baby crying. Mm-hmm. She starts to go upstairs. But the baby stops. Yeah. And yeah, the entire time the camera was just sort of following her around. God, it's so good. Yeah, it's really good. Um, so then the lights go out. And then we hear that Chinese spinning plate song start to play. <laughs> yes. Which is a great reuse of that to make yeah. it now creepy. And in this context, it's even creepier. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so she's like follows the, she goes into the room with the stereo. And is. For, at this point now to her, it's like, there's no question. It's Tin and yeah. Tina. Yeah, they're here. They're fucking with him. They're going to do something. Um, so she goes in the stereo's playing. The tape's in there. And she hits stop. It stops. She's calling out to the children. You know, telling them to come out. And we hear Adolfo, like, yelling for Lola. Mm-hmm. It's kind of muffled. Don't really know what he's... It's very distant. Yeah. The sound design here is good, too, I think. It is good. So she goes outside... And just in time to see Adolfo being electrocuted mm-hmm. on the roof. And burst into flames. Yeah, and he falls onto the ground floor. On, onto, yeah. And <laughs> he proceeds to get up and yes. stumbles into the house. And it's crazy because like, she's begging him not to. Yeah. It's like, don't come <laughs> in. And, he, and he's on fire and obviously not with it. And he lands in the exact same spot where the dog died, right in mm-hmm. front of the couch. And then flames just erupt. Explodes. All like, over the place. And this is one of those things, again, where it starts to question, make you question everything. Because the way the flames spread... Like, I know, I know they would spread quickly, but, like, dude... That was very fast. He basically explodes into fire and fills that entire room in, like, right. seconds. It's like someone just poured gasoline everywhere. Yeah. Which, uh, maybe someone did. I don't, don't know. Um, but so now, that's traumatic enough... <laughs> but she knows her baby's still in the house somewhere. No, I got a little funny note I wrote here, too. Okay. Saying, when he gets electrocuted, I said, that was probably fucking lightning and not the kids. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's intentional, too. Right. For our, for our ending here when we get to it. Right. Yeah, Lola runs upstairs. Uh, the baby is not in the crib. Mm-hmm. 
And it's it's great because she'll go into a room and do something, and then when she comes back to the hall, you see like much more smoke, mm-hmm. how much more the fire has spread. Like it's a really good like time clock they have running. Right. Yeah, this house was made in a very combustible manner. I'm not sure what they <laughs> use. But yeah, she's frantic looking around, she's coughing, she seems kind of on the verge of giving up. And she sees the outline of the cross they had taken down mm-hmm. up above the door. And so she kind of sits on the bed and she grabs a pillowcase, puts it over her head and attempts to smother herself. Yup. And she appears to pass out. Mm-hmm. Uh, comes to hearing the cry of a baby. She starts to follow it and she finds the baby in like the carrier they had it in at the restaurant. Yep. It's in one of the other rooms. It was just stashed in one of the other rooms, kind of out of out of the ways. Right. And she picks it up and gets out of the flaming house. And so this, when she has the baby and she's walking through the house, there's so much flame and fire. It doesn't mm-hmm. look like she could make it out. I thought this was going to be like a Tales from the Hood thing where like she was going to step out the front door and it was going to be like, welcome to hell, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been pretty cool. Uh, they didn't go that way. They did, they did do something interesting still. But yes. yeah, I was getting big vibes like, oh, is this going to be like a crazy twist now? <laughs> that would have been something. Yeah. <laughs> they went uh, a little classier than that. So we cut back to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And Lola's laying there in a the bed on oxygen. And the Reverend Mother comes to visit her. Yep. And she's saying that the investigation said that lightning struck her husband. Yep, when he was fiddling with the antenna mm-hmm. in the middle of a storm. And Lola asks about the children. And she says, well, what about Tin and Tina? Yeah. They were there. I know they were there. And the Reverend Mother's like, no, they were at the convent all night. I, I found them in bed this morning. Mm-hmm. Oh, and we didn't talk about it, but we should now because it's relevant to this. Mm-hmm. When they're uh, hunkering down for the night, they make it clear that there's a nun that sits in there and watches the kids. And she's like in there with them in case there's any kind of trouble or problems. That's true. That's true. They set that up, but they also set up that she falls asleep yeah, really quick. she's starting to nod off, right. Um, but And we see Tin and Tina kind of plotting with one another. We don't really know what they're plotting. Mm-hmm. But we never do actually see them leave. No. Which is very clever. We don't see them leave. We never see them at the house. There's never there's never enough evidence to ever say one way or the other, which is good for this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still thinking of Clarence Williams showing up at the end. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so the, um, the head nun tells her that, um, you know, she's fine. The baby's fine, and that it was clearly a miracle from God. Mm-hmm. And Lola says, so they are innocent. And the Reverend Mother says, they were always innocent. You just couldn't accept it. Mm-hmm. Then we cut to Adolfo's funeral. Mm-hmm. And she's there, kind of at the head of the casket. They're lowering it into the ground. Got a little carriage beside her mm-hmm. with the baby in it. Um, and ten- on either side flanking her is Tin and Tina. Yep, calling her mommy. Yep, she's adopted them back again. And the, the uh, priest is doing his prayer, finishes, the kids say amen, and Tina has handed her her rosary and crossback, which Lola puts on, and she also says amen. Mm-hmm. The end. Ooh. Good ending. It is a good Very ending. Very good ending. Yeah. So. So I have some notes. Okay. Yeah, I can find a lot of trivia. It's pretty new as yeah. a film, so there's not a lot of talking about it, but um so apparently the leads of the well some of the leads in the film, right? Cuz it's not the there's the a little ensemble family here, but um the mother and the father. 
Um, they were actually like popular, iconic TV stars for kids in the 80s in Spain. Oh, really? Yep. Um, in the early to mid-80s, um, Teresa Rabal was a singer that specialized in children's music. And Cello Vivares um, played a very popular character in the TV show Barrio Sesamo mm. from 1979. So they were both like popular stars of that time. Interesting. They were like well known and beloved and everyone would have known who they were and like, you know, been big fans. So then interestingly this film pairs them up. Yeah, it's set in the eighties. Yeah. I wonder if they ever sang the Chinese spinning plate song the whole time. <laughs> Jeez, I don't know. <laughs> um about it's a little bit after you meet Tin and Tina at first, um Tin reads a specific Bible passage. I forgot to write down the verse I would have, but Calvary suck. Yeah, um, I couldn't print my notes this time. So I'm, I'm working off digital here, um, but yeah, it's the same Bible passage that uh, Julius quotes all the time in Pulp Fiction. No, oh, the one he got wrong. Yeah. Okay. So I thought that was amusing. That is amusing. Uh, let's see. They started shooting um, 27th of July, 2021, and it wrapped after seven weeks in September. They short shot shoot. it in a province of Seville. And the shooting locations include the Hacienda San Felipe in Garina and the Monastery of San Isidoro del Campo in Sati Ponce. Well, they're very cool buildings. Mm. And then I think, like we said, this is a reimagining of a short film that uh, Stein made. It was a little 12-minute short that was created in 2013. I think, again, like we said, there was no... I couldn't find a way to watch it. There, Even mm. I, I drifted into the gray area and couldn't find it. Yeah, so. right. Um, from the, there's a trailer. I'll put the trailer in our show notes. Sure. Um, it, the trailer mostly is just like a little dinner scene and they do the same bit of like the, Oh, you didn't say grace. And mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So any, um, Spanish speaking listeners, check it out. Let us know how it is. Yeah. But, it, but it did seem very much like it had that same essence of what, mm-hmm. right. What the kids are. But yeah, that's otherwise that's, we already hit everything I had note wise. Um, so what did you think, my friend? Um, short story, short version, I like it. Mm-hmm. I think it's really well made. I think it's very well acted. Um, as I frequently discussed, some of it strains credulity for me. Because I just <laughs> don't think these people would tolerate this behavior this long. Okay. Especially after the dog is killed. You know, I just don't... Mm, I don't see that happening. But I guess the argument could be made that Adolfo is the patriarch and he overrides Lola. You know, maybe he's not so attached to this dog. Okay. You know, I, I think... It, I almost kind of got a vibe that the dog was like a comfort thing after the miscarriage. Right. Like he got her the dog to yeah. occupy her in right, a way. Right. Um, so as long as you can overlook those things, I think it's a pretty effective movie. I love the ambiguity. I love oh, the yeah. fact that we don't really know if they ever had any real murderous intent or if they were just extremely misguided mm-hmm. and ill-informed. But also that leads me to the problem that, I mean, even if you're, th- there is something wrong with these children. Yes. You know, for sure. <laughs> now, if it comes from a place of naivete and innocence, maybe, but I mean, cutting open a dog like that—yeah, that's just 
the baptizing the baby, I could, I could buy that one. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, I don't know how long it takes for a kid to drown. But I think, too, there's something about, I don't know how much I want to rag on this, but, like, when you take a little kid and you immerse them in the church and try to teach them this stuff. Right. The way their kid brain processes the information you're dumping on them. It's weird. And again, I'll, I'll use myself as the example. I remember going to like Bible school as a little kid because mm-hmm. I kind of got pushed into doing that. Because again, right. our hometown, like there's like a church on every street corner, basically. Uh-huh. Um, and I remember like again, I some of the things I would learn, it would like straight up fucking scare me because it would be like you can do like one little thing and then you're gonna go to hell and burn forever. Yep. And yep, that's it. If you don't say you're sorry and mm-hmm. get forgiven and all that, yeah, you're mm-hmm. gonna burn forever. And, and true, and it's obvious that I mean it's possible that the treatment at this convent has warped their reality so much, yeah, that they just don't see consequences, you know, mm-hmm. for actions. Um, sure, that could happen, <laughs> and so that that is believable. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think this is kind of an extreme example of that sort of thing, but it's believable that mm-hmm. it comes from a, a place of just misguided innocence um, and ignorance. I like this movie because I I see it as a uh, indictment of the church. Yeah. You know, just this blind indoctrination and taking the Bible as written as truth, like word for like, if it's in the Bible, that's how it happened. That's how it really happened. And see, I think it's interesting because we get Tin and Tina, which are the example of they were immersed in that and they just embraced it, hundred percent. Right. And then we have Lola, that was also immersed in that, and she rejected it mm-hmm. and turned away. And that's like the deep horror of the film. I think is that by the end, she's right back, you know. kicking and screaming. They have kind of clawed and dragged her back into it. Right. Now, some people might see that as a happy ending. <laughs> well, I thought it was interesting because Tiffany did watch this with me. Uh huh. And at the end, when it was over, we didn't t- we haven't talked about it too much, really. But um, the only comment she made was, "Huh, I don't know if I liked that." And I asked her why. Well, let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Of course, I forcefully subject her to film conversation. <laughs> of course. Uh, which is funny too, because she tells me all the time, like people at her work will talk about movies, and she's like, "You've ruined me," because <laughs> they say stuff, and I just want to ramble off <laughs> the shit that I already know. Damn right. Um, but no, she said um, it just seemed like it was really pro-Catholic. Really? And I thought, hmm. I don't get and that. I was like, why do you think that? And it's like, well, kind of everything they said happened, right? Like they, she got the miracle, she got the baby. I guess that's one like, way to read it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I, I, I kind of see that, but I actually think it's supposed to be a negative mm-hmm. connotation. Right. Because yeah. correlation is not causation. Right, right. <laughs> um, but that's the thing I like about this film is that it is open to, right. I think, multiple interpretations. It works on a bunch of different levels. Mm-hmm. And I, I do appreciate that. And I'm, I'm glad it wasn't just over the, the typical evil child. Mm-hmm. You know, that if this was an American film, that's what it would have been. Yeah. You know, uh, again, I made that village of the damned reference. It sets up like, is there something supernatural going on here? But there's really not much hint. Like that's the least possible theory. I yeah, think. Yeah. And it's vague enough. Like them asking about how long it takes to get to the church, mm-hmm. you know, and seeing them kind of whispering conspiratorially that night when they're mm-hmm. back at the convent. 
There's enough breadcrumbs. Yeah, that yeah. You, you're, you're expecting this to happen. And in a traditional movie, that's what would have happened. Yep. That camera would have pulled back and the kids would have been behind her. They would have been creepy know? and they would have been saying a bunch of shit to her about how yeah. she doesn't believe and they're going to prove it to her and right. blah, blah, blah. And it would be a big final showdown. Yeah, and I was relieved it didn't go that direction. Um, so it's a solid, well-made movie. I, I don't think it's earth-shattering, mm-hmm. you know. I think it, I'm glad it's doing so well on Netflix because I think this deserves to be seen. And I do think yeah. the director is talented, and I can't wait to see what else he yeah, does. I'm down for anything he does next. I'll give it a, a shot right away, just yeah. off of this. Yeah. Um, I give it three and a half. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I think it's above average. Not great, mm-hmm. but well worth your time if you like movies like this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was kind of surprised because if you troll through Letterbox a little bit. It's got a pretty tepid response on there. There's a lot of one and two stars. and Oh, I could see people being disappointed uh, with it because it is ambiguous. And a lot of, it's not really the amb- ambiguity. A lot of people were kind of acting like it was sort of like generic or predictable or it had been done before. Which I kind of... No, it no. sends up those tropes. Yeah. The whole time it's playing with you. Yeah. It's trying to get you to, to think that, yes, this is it's going to happen. Exactly what you mm-hmm. think is going to happen will happen. And then it doesn't. So, no. Yeah. Did people even watch the entire movie? I don't know. Did they stop halfway through? Perhaps. Perhaps, <laughs> maybe. Well, what do you think? Okay, what are your so thoughts? I like it a bit more than you. Actually, I would go out on the limb and just put my foot down and say, yeah, it's a great film. Okay. Uh, again, I love the score, especially that main theme with the humming, which is really cool because there's a scene in the middle of the film where it's Lola humming the tune that you've been hearing as part of the score. Hmm. Uh, and yeah, I just love to have this. It's great, like little ominous Silent Hill vibe to it. There's Really good mood to it. I fucking missed that. Um, I loved, loved, loved the camera work, especially that big final one one take, one cut kind of thing going yeah. on. Um, the DOP was Alejandro Espadero, so mm. props to him. Good job. Great job, my dude. Mm-hmm. Um, I love, too, the kind of slow-paced tone that the film had. Just They, they spent a lot of time to let a scene like breathe and just let you see like the emotion on Lola's face or the interactions of the kids with the parents and stuff. And, right. Um, uh, it's not a perfect movie, of course. A uh, few films are, right? I think the runtime felt a bit too long. I remember it, we were about an hour in, and I felt like it was about time for it to like get to the climax. Right. And then I we I think we had to pause it for some reason, and I looked, and I was like, there's another hour of this movie? Now that- I, I, I didn't want to say that, because <laughs> I'm the that. guy that always says, oh, we're but, long, but no, but- you would be right in this time. Okay. Now, I don't right. know what you would cut, because again, when I was skeptical, that next hour had a lot of cool stuff in it and a lot of interesting things that built on everything. But So I don't know how I would cut anything to tighten it up, but it did feel like it was just a little too long in some yeah, way. Yeah, I agree. Even a good 15 minutes, cut yeah. 15 minutes out from somewhere. <laughs> even stuff like I was like well the Chinese plate song is weird and kind of racist so we could cut that but I was like but if you cut it, that it comes back at the end it's so good at the end yeah. and you need that setup right, so right uh, which that's a thing too I just generally love about this film is there's so much like early film setup and then we get a callback to it later mm-hmm. in sort of a new light or a new context right um, it, it, it rewards you for paying attention I love a good film that's mysterious and open ended and this one just nails that perfectly there's so much gray area you can wade through. Uh, the, again, I don't think there's anything supernatural going on, but I think you could very validly pose that question sure. and ask that and ponder it and read the film that way. Um, and maybe the dog came back to life, sure. <laughs> yeah, um, and so then the next thing is, well, then are the kids actually bad or not? Are they killers? 
or or is it that the lead is so fucked up from everything that she's been through that she's kind of exaggerating and again we're mostly kind of her pov really for mm-hmm. a lot of the experiences right right so how much of this is it actually happened or how much of it is is that she imagined it like like i even thought that with the fire flaring up so fast i was like is did that really happen right or is that kind of her perception because this everything is just falling apart and being destroyed and consumed in the flames and also something i meant to touch on was the fact that the baby wasn't where she left it mm-hmm. how did the baby move right uh a miracle or did adolfo move the baby yeah when he went when upstairs, he was upstairs? Mm-hmm. and that's the smart thing in like the construction and the editing of this film is they only they give you just enough rope to hang yourself yeah yeah but never enough that you could figure out what's going on truly right. um I think it's important to talk about what a jackass the husband is. He's a big part of the problem in this film. And it really, like, if you take it on a surface level, it's like, well, it's Lola versus the kids. Mm -hmm. That's that's the conflict. He's a big part of the problem in this whole film and the story and the way things unfold. He's just so smug and handsome. (laughs) Whoa, calm down over there. Um, But yeah, he he treats his wife like a slave. They're filthy fucking rich. They have no servants. She does everything, cleans everything, cooks everything, fixes everything. Apparently it's supposed to be the only one to even touch the kids at all and do anything with them. Um, which I think it's weird too, that he would like happily play with Tin and Tina, but when his own son needed comfort, he wouldn't give him comfort. But I think that's maybe again, a commentary on his personality Right, is that he just really only cares about the fun stuff yeah. and the exciting things. Right. But when it comes to like the real the shit you got to do yeah, and get down and dirty. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't want to do it. Um, I think, the the whole angle of this asphyx- asphyxiation thing they do to try to talk to God, that's such an interesting premise. Mm-hmm. And we, we, again, we just get like a little teaser of it. And again, we never know, does it actually work or not? They, they keep it vague enough. Right. That, I, I think we can all agree that if you're near death or something, you're going to see some weird shit. You know? <laughs> I, I've not seen it, so maybe you could cut in and talk about this a little more. It gave me some shades of uh, Martyrs, because I do know the general premise of that film. Mm. I don't know if you had that thought... While we were watching it, it didn't make me think of martyrs at the time. Mm. No, that that movie is so tonally different that it wouldn't mm. occur. But, to me. but it has that same kind of core thing, right? Of like pain and suffering yes. to reach God. Yes, martyrdom and all that. Mm. Yeah. So interesting thing. Mm-hmm. And then on that line of like religiously films, uh, the righteous, which we covered last year, mm-hmm. also thought about that because that has a lot of questions like faith and belief in God. Very good movie. Um, it, it, that would be a great like pair up with this one too to watch. Um. So yeah, uh, I guess to go back to it, like the the stance on like religion in this film, um, I feel like so the lead has a very complicated history with the church, and we get hints all along the way that I think perhaps likely her faith fell out long before the miscarriage. Mm-hmm. Um, the film kind of frames it like that was the last straw, and I often wonder is it the last straw, or was she already out long before then at that point? Um, and then too, like so we have the church that's a very uh, patriarchal type of energy right generally mm-hmm. seen um and then we've got her husband also very strong patriarchal energy yep um and so i thought in a lot of ways to me the film if I, I had to like put down to paper and give a thought about it i felt like it was a metaphor for the way that like indoctrination into like a, a an idea through like an organization like a church or religion uh, that can become like deeply ingrained in a person And it can be very hard to sort of break free from that cult-like mentality, especially if you're at it from a young age like her, Mm -hmm. where you you were grown up as a kid in this convent. Sure. Um, And that it's it's so forced upon you and built into you and ingrained in you, it can be very hard to break away from that 
and get any kind of like personal agency or personal choice or idea or thought to yourself. Um, and again, I think that's the true horror of this film is that you get to the end. And to me, it is a downer ending because ultimately whether they're trying to or not through their machinations, Tin and Tina have kind of dragged her back into the depths right. of that indoctrination. Mm-hmm. And with no other option, she's kind of succumbed to it and accepted back in. Yeah. I mean, who knows what's going to happen now, mm-hmm. you know? And that's scary because <laughs> we've, we've watched her lose her agency. Mm-hmm. And and it's sad because the buildup there to that climax, she's starting to, like, drop all the chains, right? Mm-hmm. She's standing up to Adolfo. She's not going to take his shit anymore. Yeah. Yeah, she wants a divorce. She wants her own she job. Wants she, yeah. wants, she wants her money that she owns. She wants to be a modern, liberated woman. <laughs> yes. And, and she's like, Yo, I, you know, I don't need you. I can take care of the baby. I already do. Mm-hmm. I can work. Nope. What are, what are you doing at this point? But nope. She has to be dragged back down into her place. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All that to say, I, I loved it. I thought it made me think about a lot of things, and both in my past with experiences with religion and mm-hmm. on to now. Um, so I thought it was very, very profound, very interesting, well shot, well made all around. Could probably be a little shorter maybe, but I, I'm not equipped to tell you how you would do that. Um, so I gave it four stars. Okay. Confident mm-hmm. four stars. That's half a star off of my rating. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, yeah, we're, there. we're pretty close. We agree on that. Awesome. Excellent. So yeah, It's fun s- to argue, but it's also nice when we're kind of, you know, Yeah, we're, we're in our... step together. <laughs> we, we think like maybe we're doing something right, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice. I, I like the other times where I bring a film and then you and Michael savage me and I go home to Tiffany and I'm like, yo, I fucked up. I fucked up bad. <laughs> well, I mean, you, 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 nev- you never know. I think there was only like one movie I savaged you on. Maybe two. <laughs> um, so all that is to say, thank you, Jada, for pitching this film at us. Yeah, it was it, a good it choice. Was an enjoyable experience. It gave me a lot to think about. It gave us a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, Even though, <laughs> two warning signs for Dustin, it was a new movie and on Netflix. <laughs> yes, it's Big Gamble. I don't think she knew about my raging hate of Netflix. Netflix um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Big Gamble, Big Swing, but a big hit. Home Run. Nice. Um. So I just want to say, Jada, you're awesome, and you can achieve anything you set your mind to, so I wish you all the best with school and going forward into the future. Yeah, good luck, Jada. Now, with that said, we have reached the holy month. Woohoo! We we progress to October, to the Halloween times. Damn right. And Jason, you're at the helm, steering us. Oh, my God. So where are we going? Oh, my God, okay. So much like we did, I believe, the previous Halloween... I think we should watch blocks of Halloween set horror films mm. or even non horror films. That was actually our first year. Last that was year, the first year. Last year was extreme horror. That's right. Yeah. Oh my God. It yeah. doesn't seem like. We're that deep now. That seems like that was a lot closer <laughs> in time than a year. Yikes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to go back to Halloween themed movies now. There's so many. There are so many, and so many good ones, and I had so many choices, um, and maybe we can get back to some of those, because I think we're going to try to crank out maybe a couple more this yeah. month. We're, you know? we're going to try to do the episode a week thing again. They might not all be like full, we pick one film and talk about it episodes, but yeah. you know we love Halloween, so we got to go try to go big, as yeah. big as we can. And there are so many Halloween set movies to talk about, that if we don't get to it, this we'll do it next year. Um, but... I would like to pick another new movie that has just come out that I was pretty impressed with. Okay. I think we should watch Cobweb. 
Cobweb. Oh, I've been seeing people talk about this film. Yes, it is brand new. It is now streaming. It's on like you know uh, Amazon Prime and everything. You can rent it for a few bucks. Uh, it it just came out. It is directed by Samuel Bowden, mm-hmm. who I don't think he has done a whole lot yet. Like every horror group I'm in on Facebook, everybody's talking about this film. So okay, I was okay. just about to think about watching it this weekend, but now I can just hold off and get a get a fresh impression for the show. Nice. Um, so you've seen this then? I have seen it. Mm. I have watched it. Um, obviously. I enjoyed it to some capacity or I wouldn't be bringing it to the table. Um, I don't know sometimes with you. so <laughs> Sometimes I just want to torture you. <laughs> I don't like this movie either, but oh, Dustin's really going to hate it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it has uh, Anthony Starr in it, for those of you who like to watch The Boys. Okay. He plays Homelander. Nice. And, I am a fan. Okay. Yeah, he's very good in it. Uh, I don't want to say too much about this going in. Um, does he have a milk obsession <laughs> in this one too? He does not. He does not. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, the only thing I will say about this is it's a very kind of classic movie. Okay. Um, it reminds me of like those great treasures on VHS you would find. The sleepers, they would mm. call them. Like a movie you didn't really know that much about. You saw on VHS. You picked it up. Something like Critters. You know, just... Okay, now you're speaking my language. I'm not saying this is like Critters. <laughs> but it's that type of, of movie. Okay. Um, I gotcha. All right. So, it, it's set during Halloween. has a good Halloween atmospheric vibe to it. Uh, I'm a little worried you're going to hate it. Uh-oh. Well, we'll see what happens. Maybe not hate it, but... I don't know. I really liked it. I had a lot of fun with it, and I can't wait to talk about it. So, killer! everyone out there, watch Cobweb. I think most of you will enjoy it. And we'll be talking about it soon. Cool. Well, we've come to the end of another one. Another killer listener episode, too. So, um, we love doing these. And if you've got a movie that you love, or you champion, or you think is really cool, or... Maybe you listened to one of our earlier blocks and thought like, hey, I wish they would have talked about such and such film. Mm-hmm. Send it our way. You can get us on Facebook. You can get us on Twitter. You can get us on Instagram. You can get us by email if you wish to go a little more detailed in your thoughts with uh, hitting us up at genreexposure at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, if we cover your movie, we'll, we'll get a sticker to you somehow. We're still working on that for oh, some people. But, we, uh, yeah, we need to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I complicated the process by wanting to do a bunch of extra shit to make them special for the first time. Yeah, uh, but they'll, they'll show up one day. We'll get to it. You know they will. It'll be soon. Um, well, October's a good time for it. Yeah, it is. So. Whoa. <laughs> a little, little trick or treat in your mailbox. <laughs>
Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening.